Welcome to Couch Buddies. I'm Kia. And I'm Michelle. And we're doing something different today. This is a very special episode of Couch Buddies. This is your anti-romance Valentine's Day yes. episode. It's because I'm single and bitter. No. <laughs> I'm married and I'm still like, eh, there's a lot of love at Valentine's Day. I'm good. Basically, we it came down to the... Uh, the story is this. I was listening to a podcast called Films to be Married With with uh, Brett Goldstein. And... He was posing. It's it's all just him talking about movies with his guests. And it got me thinking of just other movies that I wanted to talk about besides romance movies. And I posed the question to Michelle, should we, like, maybe, like, let's do something special for Valentine's Day that instead of talking about, like, one romance movie, let's talk about you know, like our favorite romance movies and just kind of open up the category. But I also thought it would be really, really funny if for a romance movie podcast, if on the one romantic holiday of the year, we did not talk about romance films. And I thought that was brilliant and voted for that one. (laughs) (laughs) So, so what you're going to be hearing from us today is I, um, some of these questions, I because I'm a former English major and so as to not plagiarize, some of these questions I did take directly from the uh, the Films to be Buried with podcast, so credit to Brett Goldstein for those. Mm-hmm. Some of these we just kind of came up with while we were spitballing. Well, and, and we want to let you know there's more to what we love and don't love than romance. Yes. Because it doesn't always come through, I think, on our episodes that we, there, there's right. things we do besides ship and there's ways to be a fan of something without having a romance element to it. Exactly. So. And, and the other, can the other thing that I was thinking of is that a, this is sort of a, for lack of a better way of putting it, kind of like icebreaker questions, but yeah. like in, in movie form. And these are things that like we know about each other, but this is sort of a way of letting you guys know, like, where we're coming from, mm-hmm. cinematically speaking. Yeah. And if you don't, if you're tired of romance on Valentine's Day, it's a bit of a palate cleanser. Absolutely. That's what we're going for, at least. <laughs> You'll, hey, let us know if you don't like it. If you want us to just stick to our lane. Like, let us know. Yeah. I'm not and, saying that we're going to do that, but we'll try. <laughs> well, and and I kind of have some ideas for doing other, like, special episodes yeah. like this in the future. So if you do like this format, and it's not something that we're going to do all of the time, but maybe, like... Every once in a while. Yeah, just every couple of months, or, like, on a special holiday. Or or something like they're not or whenever we feel like it. Whenever let's also we be feel honest. like it, because <laughs> sometimes you just don't feel like sitting down and watching a movie. You don't. It's and true. these are easier. But yeah, if if you like this, let us know, and, and we might do uh, might do some other similar things. But um, we have ten questions that we're going to go through. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to go through. <laughs> yeah, we're going to try to go through. And the first one I'm going to go with is a film that you could watch. Oh, hold on. Before I get into this, we also, we also gave each other the stipulation that on these lists, we couldn't uh, talk about movies that we've recorded for the podcast. So, or, or that we know are coming up. Oh, no, no, no. Well, because there's one movie I did not put on this list ever because we're going to record about it eventually. See, I mentioned a couple because, like, I probably won't go into as much detail that's fine. on yeah, them. Yeah, that's fine. But there are a couple. I'm like, I, well, I can't. My favorite movie in the world is Ever After. And we're going to record on that movie, yes. but it is not on this list because <laughs> I was intentionally <laughs> well, see, trying not to put it on this list. I, yeah, I, I have... 
I have one, and then I have another one that. Now will, I have a couple of yeah, others that are. Yeah, and are, I and I have one that will be a um, an OTP at some point, but yeah, I have an OTP on my list. Yeah, yeah. And, but but basically, th- these are these are the movies that are important. Yeah, and and so the first the first one I'm going to go with is what is a movie you could watch over and over the most? Okay, so this was a really tough call. <laughs> oh, honey, I narrowed all it, of these are a well, tough call. I narrowed this one down to two, and my husband and I were having trouble picking because the first one I said was Wonder Woman, and because we did watch that over and over again, but that's not the one I ended up overall choosing. Okay, I went with uh, t- 2014's Kingsman: The Secret Service. Nice, that's a good which, one. Which I believe is a movie we watched on Valentine's Day together. Or that because it was with uh, our friend Kim, yes, was visiting. It was yeah, it and was in that time frame. Because it was in the month of February because there was all these other Valentine's Day movies, and the four of us, my husband, you, well, and our yeah, friend, because everybody else couldn't make it because it was a big yeah, ice storm. There was there was we we were getting together because our friend Anne was back from China, and so we yeah. were all kind of having like a group get together to see her, and then. People in Missouri couldn't get here because yeah, there was a big ice because storm. there was a big ice storm. So Kim was the only one who managed to make it. So we went and we saw we saw Kingsman and yeah, I remember all four of us after that movie just sat there like, what did we just watch? This was amazing. Well, it's a very violent. It's a hard R uh, for for violence. I mean, yeah. and and I think like yeah, and language, yeah, yeah, because oh, it stars Colin Firth and Taron Egerton and uh, Mark Strong. I Michael Caine, Michael Caine, Samuel L. Jackson, a very uh, ill Sophia used, Butella, <laughs> yeah, a very ill-used Jack Davenport. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and and it's just a movie that <clears throat> when I'm in the mood for something that is fun and lighthearted yeah. and. Also has just like that action, that the action yes. thing that you get the the yen for sometimes. Yeah, yeah, this is the one I throw on. It's it's absolutely a good one. I the thing that I remember the most, like I remember just like cackling uproariously, like Kim, like Kim on my right, you on my left, and just at something at the like very beginning of the movie, like me and Kim just like laughing hilariously. And then, like, at the end of it, as the credits start rolling, like, I just remember saying out loud, that was exactly what I needed today. But it was not what we expected. It was not like, what we expected at it all. It was the movie we needed, but not the one we deserved. <laughs> like, 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 there was just something about it that, that for all of us, the four of us that were there, at least, struck, like, this really big, like, gong. That yes! We were, like, oh, like, my word. The, yeah, like, yeah. this is perfect. So that's an action movie that I love, and also one that I can watch over and over yes. again. Yes. Mine that I went with is from uh, it's from 1998, and it's the movie Sliding Doors. Good movie. Which we are going to talk about one day. Yes. Um, I just keep trying to wrap my head around how we're going to talk about it, because it's, it's going to be a difficult movie. one. But the the premise, like, it starts Gwyneth Paltrow, John Lynch, Gene Triplehorn. I almost, I almost said Janine Garofalo. That's, that would be a completely different movie, but yeah. I want it yeah, now. But, um, but yeah, Gwyneth Paltrow, John Lynch, John Hanna, and, and Gene, uh, Gene Triplehorn. And that, that movie has been so like in our group, like yes. our college group consciousness. Like we would quote it at each other <laughs> all the time. It's like, ah. Uh. <laughs> like, oh, what are you doing on Saturday? Probably killing myself. Excellent. What time does that finish? Do you, you like, like boats? boats? Yeah. That, that's that's just one of those things that was in our yeah. group, collective group consciousness. Oh, yeah. And it's one, like, I still remember it because it, um, it came out in 98. It was probably, yeah, it had to have been about 99 because I didn't see it until, it was like, my parents were separated, getting divorced. And after my mom left, 
like I was living with her. We had moved, we had moved out of our house. She would leave, you know, she would leave for work in the morning. And then I would have basically like another like hour and a half, almost two hours, like just like until like it was time for me to go to school. So I would like, I would take my sweet ass time getting ready. <laughs> Understand. And this, this movie, like, you know, we had movie channels. Like I was just kind of flipping through one morning and I caught a little part of it and was just like, like I happened to catch the moment where you have Helen like racing to get to the train and she misses it. Uh, and then the rewind and she catches the she train. Catches the train. And I just went, wait, what? Like it just, it kind of caught me off guard. And like, I just sat down and watched about 20 minutes of the movie and like popped in a, a VHS tape so that I could record it because I knew I wasn't going to get to finish it. And like immediately came home and watched the rest of the movie and was just like, holy shit. It's, it's great. Like, I love this movie because, and, and I still remember because my dad was not a, he was not the type of man, like who would really like watch romance movies. Like there were, there were a few exceptions and, you know, and there were a few, like what you would call like chick flick movies (laughs) that he would occasionally watch. Like another one that's on my list that I will mention you know, DVDs had like just kind of started becoming a thing by, you know, by the two thousands. And I remember he and I went to, we went to Hollywood video and we were like, like we were picking like a huge stack of DVDs to rent and watch that weekend. And I had to like challenge him. I was like, please, can we rent this movie? Like, I want to watch it. Like I want to watch the entire movie. And like from start to finish and like we fought and we fought and we fought and finally he caved and we took it home, like put it in. And afterward he was like, damn, that was good. Yeah. And it's, it's the whole like premise of it, of, of a, like, what if, like what could change if just one tiny little thing in your life changed? It's sort of like a, a butterfly effect. Yeah. And I was like, but with a romantic twist mm-hmm. and I, I love it so much. Well, and and, it, it combines romance, comedy, and romantic drama. Yes, very well. Well, and and the fact that James speaks almost exclusively in Monty Python quotes, <laughs> um, it's like it's just which I also did and have done it many times in my life. Very true. Well, and and I remember there was a point in time where I was watching this movie every day. It just it was one of those like. I didn't know at the time, but it was just, I was having like bouts of depression and I just needed a comfort. And our friend Kim, um, which is funny enough that you, that's weird that both bringing her up for this category was that she and I were rooming together at the time. And she got so like, so pissed off and like, so annoyed with me. The fact that like I was watching this movie every single day. Okay. I I love I, I love my 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 roommate in college it was great, but she watched a movie every day, and my husband had a roommate that watched a movie every day. Okay, I know what Josh's was. What was my roommate watched High School Musical two? <laughs> That's right for a sem- a semester. Like, I would come in. She would watch. And she would watch it necessarily multiple times, but she would have it on while she was studying. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me why. But yeah, that was the one that she just started putting in, and like she it was only lived. It was our last year. That she had yeah. it all the time. And then my husband's roommate watched A Walk to, to Remember. Remember 
multiple times a day. Yes. My husband now hates that movie and will never watch it again. The fact that it's in this house is I was, surprising. I was about to say, it's like I thought for a while it was pretty much banned it from, was. from this domino. It was, but then I bought it and told him he could get over it. Yes. Because I love the movie. But yeah. that And also what, research. And also research. Yeah. I can use the podcast to get away with yes. things. But yeah, I think that's hilarious that we both brought that we with both, We both had Kim. That's we love great. you, Kim. Okay, I'm going to... The next one... Um, your favorite sick day movie. Okay. So, do you want to go first this time? Yeah, you can. I like, I, since I'm the one bringing up the categories. <laughs> it's like you're asking me, so I feel like I'm bit. supposed it's to like answer. I'm, I'm, I'm James Lipton oh. from Inside the Actor Studio. So, so this one, this one I actually had to, not necessarily debate on, but there are two that I go to when I'm sick. Mm-hmm. So I just had to choose one. I went with the one that, that I watched after I had my gallbladder surgery. Because I literally came home, laid on the couch, had my husband put it in, and just laid here. And that's uh, 1954's Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. That's a good one. Starring Jane Powell and Howard Keel. Yeah, it's a bit probably problematic now if you look at it through a modern day lens but if you don't look i don't necessarily look at it through a modern day lens because and and funny enough what we were talking about off mic was how i had watched the uh the the something detective pop culture detective yeah and they had done a uh, a video on abduction as romance and they and yeah. he, he did bring it up one well, and it's the thing about that that movie that I'm going to defend for just a second because I because number one I watch it with my grandma growing up it's it's got that like comfy feel of of mm-hmm. like family my whole my mom loves yeah. it my grandma loves it and and not her mom my dad's mom so it's a, like I get it from both sides of the family kind of thing but like that movie what I but I always appreciated, even as a kid, is that it didn't feel like they fell in love with the. It felt like they already had a thing for the boys. Mm-hmm. Like that, that is established. Is that all the right. girls very much do like those boys? Their parents are just getting in the way, and then the kidnapping happens. And and yeah, should they have stopped and asked the girls, "Hey, come away for a few months"? That would have probably worked better. But Jane Powell's character is like, "No, no, no! You don't get to be in this house while these girls are here. That yeah. is not how this works. Like, you will do proper courtship, or you will have nothing." Yes. And so I appreciate I- that aspect of it. I've only seen like I've seen the movie once and it was a long long, mm-hmm. long time ago but the the spring before you came to to our college oh, they yeah. th- our the theater department did Seven Brides for Seven Brothers as the musical and it was pretty damn good. I could never decide if that was a good thing or a bad thing because I've loved the movie yeah. literally my entire life. I I I don't know of a time when I didn't know this movie existed. It's just and, one of those movies, and I love Howard Keel, because the other movie I almost chose is a Howard Keel movie. Yeah. It's Calamity Jane, mm-hmm. which is Doris Day and yes. Howard Keel. And I did not know that those were the same people <laughs> until I saw the movie Kiss Me Kate in like right. the early 2000s. Yeah. I did not know that Howard Keel, oh my gosh. that those two people, I didn't know the actors' names. It was just Adam Pontope and Wild Bill Hickok. They weren't yeah. the same people. Yeah. So what is your favorite sick day movie? Um, I'm gonna cheat because I have two. Okay. I couldn't like I almost did that. I like it was hard not to uh, I I couldn't like flip a coin. One of them um one of them it might have become my favorite sick day movie because the first time I saw it I was actually sick. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the first scream movie from nineteen ninety six. Good movie. And I'm gonna completely spoil it. Um, so if you have not seen the Scream franchise, then I don't know what, yeah, turn this off, um, and come back once you've seen it. But my, my cousin has a habit of, like, she's 
she's a, like a, a, a spoiler factory. Like she, like she sees a movie, like she tells you like what happens <laughs> in it. And she had seen, she had seen it. Like she had gone, like she had in theater and seen it. She tells me, it's like, oh yeah, it was really good. Blah, blah, blah. Like the boyfriend did it. Okay. And not knowing anything about the movie. Like I hadn't even seen trailers mm-hmm. for it. Nothing like that. Cut to, you know, probably like six months later or something like that. And it's finally on like one of the movie channels. It was on stars mm-hmm. and I had the flu <laughs> and I had been homesick for like two days. Like I was just like laying on the couch, like fever dreaming all of the time. And I had reached a point where I had started feeling a little bit better. And so I, you know, I was feeling better enough. That, like I was like, Oh, I can, I can watch something. And flipping through the channels, I see that Scream is about to come on. And I'm like, oh, I've heard about this movie. I want to watch it. And I'm I'm still so sick that in the first, like, 15 minutes of the movie, like, when you've got all the stuff with Drew Barrymore's character and, like, they're, like, terrorizing her. And they have her boyfriend tied up to a chair outside and, like, they gut Mm -hmm. him. Literally, I was in such, like, a, a... fever haze watching this like i was like how can the boyfriend have done it if he's dead (laughs) and i was so confused and about 15 minutes later i just passed out because like and then it goes into like sydney and like you know and tatum and like all of her friends and i'm like who are these people i was so (laughs) confused and finally like i like i just crashed i didn't finish the movie in that time period, like one, like I fell asleep and I slept hard. And when I finally woke up, my fever had finally broken. And, and so the movie came on again a little later. And, and at this point I've slept like 18 hours that day yeah. and it's going on like, you know, it's nearly midnight, but I'm wide awake. And so I just stayed up and watched the movie by myself mostly in the dark and i was just like holy shit this movie is great and it was like it was it was one of those like i watched it and i felt like it had changed my life in some way <laughs> Do you remember the first time i saw it because you were there oh my god i don't fourth floor foster which is our <laughs> that's right i went out because <laughs> because kia had been on me because she found out i had not seen the movies and I so she went they're not that. they're not like because i don't do like super other than saying kingsman i don't do super gory generally speaking yeah and so i was like i don't really like scary movies i don't like and Kia was like no 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 trust me you like you this like these different. three things you'll like you just try it so i went and rented all three of them and i was doing my laundry yeah. So I'd have to pause it and go lay down. And at first I started it by myself. Yeah. And then you found out what I was doing. And our friend Danny found out what I was doing. And so by the time I was finishing the third movie, we were all up there watching it together. <laughs> I had completely forgotten It was that. such a great experience watching oh, that movie. Man. The only ex- experience watching a scary, quote unquote, scary movie mm-hmm. that I've ever had that was better was watching Boogeyman. <laughs> with me and Meg. With you and Meg ripping the movie to shreds. <laughs> it's so bad. Anyway. Um... I have I have another story about Scream too because I'm my other movie that I'm gonna that I'm gonna pick is or that I've that I couldn't decide between because both of these like if I am sick or like if if I'm just depressed or whatever I will just lay on the couch and like watch these movies on repeat and like it's Scream and then from 1939 it's Charlie Chan at Treasure Island and this kind of started like my early love of um of detective movies and like detective shows and stuff like that 
And and it's it's one of the best Charlie Chan movies. It's starring uh, Sidney Toler as Charlie Chan. And yes, the movies the movies are they're dated. They're a tad mm-hmm. racist in ways. Yeah, nineteen thirty nine. I mean, nineteen thirty nine. Yes, and. Um, like there's, yeah, there's a lot that could be, you know, that could be better. I understand my movie, yes. my movie contains um, that too. But it's like, and Cesar Romero is in this one mm-hmm. and, and there, there's just, I don't know. There's just, there's some kind of like elegance to it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's one of those movies that like when, when I'm watching it, I, it's like, I, it's like, there's a, a key, like there's a lock inside my chest and this turns the key and, um, and I just love watching it, but I have one other, I have another story about Scream and like how much it kind of affected my life because, um, a friend of mine growing up, her name is Casey. Um, her birthday is Valentine's day and she would always invite a big group of, uh, she would always invite a big group of, uh, of girls over for her birthday. Um, and, uh, you know, always like the, because Valentine's day at my school, like we always celebrated on like the Friday of, mm-hmm. of Valentine's week. And, um, and so on the Friday we would all like, you know, anywhere from like six to 12 girls, like it was usually like a huge slumber party would go over to Casey's, uh, Valentine's weekend and, you know, to, to celebrate her birthday and like, you know, sleepovers, pizzas. And like, we were always like you know, whoever fell asleep first got the shaving cream, you know, that kind of stuff, like traditional slumber party things. And this one time Casey invited a couple of girls who she had never really invited before, or if she had, they just never come. So we had a couple of like unknown quantities at this party <laughs> and we always would rent like a stack of movies. And so I don't know, like, even like this was going back to like when we were in elementary school and Casey would like, like, in the weeks leading up to it, like she and I, like she would come to me and like, I would help her make a list of movies to be rented for this party. <laughs> and this had happened. And so, you know, I guess this was like going into seventh grade was when, when this particular slumber party happened. And she, um, so one of these girls, Beth, um, like we've went, we've rented scream because like, you know, it's a slumber party. It's a horror movie. Like let's have fun with it. Mm-hmm. And, Like, we thought going into it that Casey and I were the only people who had seen it. And so we thought, like, oh, this will be fun. Like, nobody else knows what's going on. Turns out Beth had seen it. And 30 seconds before a thing would happen on screen, Beth would go, oh, watch watch this. The phone's going to ring. Oh, gosh. That's the worst. And she was doing that for, like, the first, like, 15 minutes of the movie. Like, during all the Drew Barrymore stuff. Yeah. And because it's a slumber party with teenage girls and, like tensions can mount. Yeah. Hormones and drama, things happen. And so Casey, Casey just got so frustrated that like Beth was like ruining this. And, and so Casey storms off. I say storms off. Casey had also broken her ankle recently. So she hobbled off to her bedroom. (laughs) And so I went after her, like just, you know, to try to talk to her. And also like, I was kind of tired of being there and having the movie ruined. And then a few minutes later in comes Lindsay, another girl. And, um, and so we're just kind of hanging out with Casey and Casey, um, Casey had a little bit of like a, um, diabolical streak to her. <laughs> and the thing to know about Casey, the, the important thing to know about Casey and where she lived, she had a wraparound porch on her house. <laughs> So every door on the first floor there, like in every room, 
there was a door that led out onto the porch. Mm-hmm. So Casey's room was in the back of the house. The living room was in the front. So Casey and Lindsay and I take the cordless phone and we we take the cordless phone. Back in the day when people had phones in their house. Yes, back in the day when people had phones in their house. It was like we army crawled. We basically army crawled our way around from, from the back of the house to the front. And we we sat under the window of the living room and with, with the wraparound porch because we had the living room window. But we could see the reflection of the TV in the porch window. Of course. Of course. And so Casey does the thing where she call like, has the cordless phone. Mm-hmm. She calls her home number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which yeah. in kids, way back in the day, you could call your home number. And then, like, you would get kind of, like, a busy signal, and, like, you, you'd press the button, and then... you hang it back up. It, like, you hang it back up, and, like, you pick it back up. Like, it would ring. Yeah. And then you pick it back up, and essentially, you could have a conversation. Like, it, was, it basically turned your phone into a walkie-talkie. Basically, yeah. Basically. And so, the phone is, like, right on an end table in the middle of, like, all these girls piled up on the couches. And so, we timed it to, like, where the phone rang in the movie, the phone rang in the house... And it scared the shit out of everybody in the living room. The phone rings. They like somebody picks it up. There's nobody there. Hang up. We did this like three more times. <laughs> it scared the bejesus out of everybody until finally somebody like like saw a glimpse of us out of the window and like realized like the jig was up and. <laughs> Casey, Lindsay, and I jump up. Somebody yells, run. But Casey can't run. Lindsay and I immediately swoop her into a basket hold and take off flying. <laughs> flying around. And, like, we managed to, like, run. Like, we get, we get, somehow, we managed to get to the door to her bedroom through, like, on the porch before they got through the house. And, like, it's a horde of girls. There's, like, eight girls. Like, yeah. they were, like, freaking, like, Frankenstein's mob coming after us. <laughs> and, like, we throw, we literally throw Casey onto her bed, shut the door, jump on the bed front, like, beside her, just as, like, they slam the door open and, like, what is going on? And, like, start, like, and we were, like, dude, we're just watching Road Rules. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, it was one of the, like, it was so great. And like for for the like those two stories, like Scream will always have like like a deep seated place like in my heart and like a reason like I love it so much. Like because of those reasons. Like and it is just a damn good movie. And there's something about it that is just comforting to me. <laughs> like when when I am sick. So next, I'm gonna go with your favorite underappreciated film. The, and I, we, we specified the categories like your favorite underappreciated film. And I, I, I cheated on this one too. And I picked two answers. Like there's mm-hmm. one that I know like people have heard of, and you've probably heard me talk about it on this podcast before, mm-hmm. but I also went with one that literally nobody has ever heard of. Good. So, um, I, there's a movie from from 1976. It's Murder by Death. Yay! <laughs> Which Murder by Death? It's a um, it's a parody of of detective films. You mm-hmm. have um, you have um, and it's 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 so good. Like it does what a parody is supposed to do. Like mm-hmm. a true parody is something that like it knows its source material so well that like uh. 
it's like it like I, I can't explain basically like monty python and the holy grail like is an example of like a true parody mm-hmm. and and this is and uh, murder by death is and it is a true parody like you have a um you have a crazy eccentric millionaire mm-hmm. who has invited all of these famous detectives to his house in the middle of nowhere because a murder is going to be committed and he like is placing a bet that none of them can solve it mm-hmm. and and so like it's a parody so like you have you essentially have uh nick and nora charles mm-hmm. who from uh the thin man movies you have doesn't david niven play is it David Niven? Who, yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. It's, yeah. It, instead of Nick and Nora Charles, it's Dick and Dora Charleston. Yeah. And they are played by David Niven and Maggie Smith. Yeah. Which is great. Which is great. Then you have, instead of uh, the Sam Spade, Humphrey Bogart, Noir detective, you have Sam Diamond mm-hmm. and his you know lady of the week. They are played by Peter Falk mm-hmm. and Eileen Brennan. Yay, Peter Falk. Uh, then you have, um, I just mentioned, uh, Charlie Chan, um, in this Charlie, uh, Charlie Chan is Sidney Wang and he's played by, uh, uh, Peter Sellers. Mm-hmm. Then instead of, um, instead of Miss Marple, you have Jessica Marbles. Mm-hmm. And then instead of, uh, instead of Hercule Poirot, you have, uh, you have Michelle Petier. Yeah. Um, and so you have all of these detectives and like, and they each have like a spare with them. Like, uh, Sidney Wang has his son and, um, and Miss Marvels has, has, has her nurse, like yeah. nurse as in the one, like in like in English terms, like the woman who worked in the nursery, like who was her nanny. Yeah. And it's just, it's so freaking funny. And like, there, yeah. there are things like of this movie that like, I still quote to this day that like, I know that nobody I'm speaking to understands the reference, but I say it anyway. Mm-hmm. And like, whenever somebody does something, instead of saying like, Oh, that's a good idea. I say good thinking on diamond head. I do it all the time at the D and D table. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I was just telling our friend Shane, because they they do a play on the um, the the Casablanca the um, you know oh you know how to whistle don't you baby you know just put your lips together and blow that like that whole thing and in this movie like it's Peter Falk and he's trying he's trying to be all like suave when he says it and his his female like his girl Friday like his girl of the week just like it's like it, yes of course I know how to whistle who doesn't know how to whistle that's just stupid it's like never mind you ruined it <laughs> um and like it and also Truman Capote. The Truman Capote, the man who wrote, like, Breakfast at Tiffany's mm-hmm. and the world-renowned In Cold Blood and, like, spawned an entire generation of literature. He is the eccentric millionaire, mm-hmm. Lionel Twain, instead of Lionel Train. It took me forever to get that joke when I was a kid <laughs> until one day I suddenly did and, like, it was the fucking funniest <laughs> thing I'd ever heard. Um, and, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, like, and they live at 22 Twain Street or something like that. Something it's, like that. It, yeah. Um, and then also Alec Guinness, Obi-Wan Kenobi yep. is the blind butler. Yep. And it's so fucking funny. But that went because it's written by Neil Simon and Neil Simon is very well known mm-hmm. for like for Barefoot in the Park and the Goodbye Girl 
and um, and Plaza Suite and California Suite and Biloxi Blues and so many of these things. And Murder by Death just kind of gets lost in the shuffle. But it is one of the smartest, mm-hmm. like smartest parodies I have ever seen. And especially like if if you grew up liking detective movies, like mm-hmm. if, and like and detective literature as much as I did, like it's it's just. Mwah. I remember watching it with you, and the thing that hooked me into it. <laughs> number one, I, I David Niven and Maggie Smith. Yeah, but. For me, I'd grown up watching Peter Falk as Columbo, mm-hmm. so watching him as the same Spade character, it felt like there was no difference. Yeah, because oh I God. grew up on Columbo, so um, yeah, so and good. And then the other one, this is a movie that I know that nobody has heard of. Um, it's from two thousand one. It's called Extreme Days, <laughs> and that was that was introduced to to me and and uh, and my you know, like our friend our friend Anne. It was introduced to me. Because uh, a guy that she was dating at the time, uh, whose name will go unmentioned. Yeah, that guy. Anyway, um, we were hanging around in the the BSU building um, Mm -hmm. and just kind of using it like on the weekend just to like hang out and watch movies. Because at our college, like the dorms were separated by gender. Like you couldn't just really Mm -hmm. go and hang out in another dorm like of the opposite gender. And so there were certain locations on campus where you could fraternize with the opposite sex. And so we went to the BSU to like, just hang out and watch movies. And, mm-hmm. and he mentioned, he's like, Oh, have you guys heard of this movie? It's called extreme days. And we were just immediately like, Oh, this is going to be like some knockoff action movie. And it's going to be terrible. And, um, and he's like, no, it's like, it has some stuff in it. And he's like, you know, there's some like BMX and like snowboarding and things like that. He's like, but there's, there's more to it. And so he convinced us to watch it. And I don't remember, there was somebody else there with us. And so we like, we sat down to watch it and it was, it's, it's one of those movies. It's so dumb funny. <laughs> um, and the thing is, and like, and the reason like I know not many people have seen it is that it's, it's a, it's a Christian movie. Mm-hmm. It's a movie like with a Christian message. Mm-hmm. And so, because, like, it is one of, like, I have watched, I know probably not as many as you, I have watched several, you know, like, like uh, Christian movies, and mm-hmm. they, you know, things like, um, oh my gosh, like, The Love Dare, or what is mm-hmm. it? So that, that, the, that is the name like, one. basically, like, Kurt Cameron's entire milieu, and, like, mm-hmm. they are just, they're not good. Yeah, that, that's a problem. The facing, the, facing the Giants is a big one. Yes. Uh, it's That's just not... The, it's, it's, like, it's not professional actors with the exception of, like, one person. Yeah. yeah the, like, the and you dr- can tell. Like, the, the dialogue is always so stilted. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows how to act well enough to carry off the terrible You're dialogue. You're at your church play. Like, that's... Yeah, that's, that's, that's you, basically yeah. what it is. And and this movie, like, it had to have been made on like a hundred dollars. It's super low budget. But what it is, it is it is four guys who have grown up together and they've like they've graduated high school, like they've graduated like they've graduated like community college. And there's a there's a joke in there because uh the only two people of name in this movie are um Dante Basco, who most people would know as Rufio. Rufio as Rufio from Hook, <laughs> he's in it, and then A.J. Buckley. Oh, yeah. Yes, who, pe- like, pe- like I, I know him because of, like, C- because he's on CSI New York, but yeah. also he's Ed Zedmore. He's one of the ghost facers yep. on, on Supernatural. Supernatural. Um, ghost faces. Ghost, ghost faces. And he, um, 
I like, but you know, he's he's just kind of been like a character yeah, actor. He, he's, he's done a lot of stuff. Yeah, now, he's yeah. he's been around for a while and done done a lot of stuff like that. Um, like I know he's been on like episodes of Bones and stuff like yeah. that. And, and you know, he's just one of these character actors who's around. And so they're the only two people of name in it. Mm-hmm. And and what it is, it's like there's there's a whole joke of how how basically like, he's the smart one in the group. And and how like they went to like a two year community college and, like but they didn't know that it was a community college and so like they went for four years and like and so they thought he was a genius for finishing it too. <laughs> wow, it's it's so dumb funny. But they like they end up going like they're gonna, like we're gonna go on like this road trip and you know we're like starting in Mexico and like we're gonna like basically drive our way up the coast. And, and they're stopping off and doing all of these things, like these extreme sports of, you know, like they start off like surfing and, um, and like, and they're just doing like, d- like really stupid, dumb boy things. Like there, there's an extended scene, like where they're lighting their farts on fire and they have shopping cart races in a, um, in a supermarket. And it is one of the, that is one of the funniest things I've ever seen because as they're walking in a greeter hands, like hands two of them, like hands them a balloon. And so they each tie a balloon to their shopping cart. One is riding in it. Another one is pushing it. So you've got two shopping <laughs> carts and you just see the balloons like bobbing around like over aisles. And it's so funny. <laughs> and, and like, and the movie like does have like the the character like there's a character named Matt who um, they end up like running into like a cousin of his like along the way, and and so she ends up kind of joining them on on this road trip, and it has one of my favorite lines in all of cinema history, which is like Jesse is just perfect, like she's just so great. And one of the guys is trying to like take her down a peg. He's like, so well, Jesse, is there anything you can't do? And she's like, well, and kind of hemming and hawing. And so Matt, her cousin goes, she can't sing. Really? Nope. Not a note. Sounds like a coyote in a trash compactor. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, and um, if you ever hear me say the phrase for the love of donuts, it comes from this movie. And like, I say it quite frequently. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's because like, there's this whole extended montage of them trying to pack up their little, like their car is like a hybrid that like they've put together. It's like a Jeep Toyota, like oh, something wow. they call it the Joyota. <laughs> yeah. And like they, like they Frankenstein this car together. And so it's this whole thing of like, they're, it's this tiny vehicle and like, they're trying to pack all of their <laughs> luggage and like snowboards and and surfboards and all this and like packing the car and like they pack it one way and Matt is sitting in the car and he's like okay let's go and then montage of them rearranging and like packing it again like okay let's go and re like rearranging yet again okay let's go and they realize okay we finally got it now like they've got the map spread out and Matt is just still sitting there in the back of the car and finally just stands up and yells for the love of donuts let's go (laughs) so like it's it is one of like the better like Christian films I've ever Mm -hmm. seen because it doesn't really rely on dialogue it relies on the chemistry of its cast to sell it that's good and that is the best thing this movie could have done yeah and like I said, it is it is four boys being dumb boys, <laughs> and and it's it's not typically the type of movie that I love, but I love this movie with so much of my heart. Like it is just it is so good. It is so 
funny. Like, and, and like, and at the end of it, as per usual, like, it has, like, a decent, like, message at the end of it. And it's so much fun, and I love it. So what are yours? Well, I mean, I almost picked saved, but I, I, had to, <laughs> I decided to. I was this this close. I to recommending to, saved to abide by the rules and only pick one, so I saved ended up not making my cut. Uh, I'm. Gonna I do know one, I cheated. It's fine. I'm going to do one that is actually nominally popular, but I feel like underappreciated. If that okay. makes any sense, totally makes sense. Uh, I'm going to talk about the 2016 movie Star Trek Beyond. Noise. So I still haven't watched. I am a Trekkie. I grew up on TNG. It's still one of my favorite like Star Treks ever. I even watched Discovery. So I I'm not I'm a real fan. There you go. Also watch the Orville if you like Star Trek. But anyway, that's side. So when the new series started, the new movies, I I, I watched the original series on my own. My dad mm-hmm. didn't like them. So when the new movie started with Chris Pine and Zach Quinto and all them, I was very hesitant. Mm-hmm. Because I felt like they took something away from from the original show. Not in that we shouldn't have another thing, because I don't agree with that. I think the movies are really fun, but I don't it's, it's, get the sci-fi-ness of them. They're well, more Star Wars than, than Star Trek. It's hard to condense, like... The the morals and like and mm-hmm. what like the TV show like tries to express it's hard yeah. to condense that into a two hour movie. I agree. Also, the fact that JJ Abrams admitted he did not like Star Trek was was a problem for me going into it. Like, yeah, I, I did go I, into it, but I went to it. Like, don't be wrong. I own I own all the movies. Into Darkness had a really like a very divisive thing because of the Benedict Cumberbatch of it all. Um, oh, I remember. And, I, I was there for the internet I wars. I see. I see both sides of the issue. I they tried to say it wasn't whitewashing. It's very, very conflicting, and 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 it was a conflicting, divisive like, thing in the just, fandom. They kept digging themselves a hole. It was a very divisive thing in the yes. fandom. But once again, I don't feel like either of those movies understood what a Star Trek movie was supposed to be. Yeah. Not necessarily even like the TV show, but like a movie. They, to me, this is once again, I'm, I'm, I am very clear to me what is called in the Trek universe, the Kelvin timeline, dumbed down Kirk Mm -hmm. a lot. Bones was not nearly as important as he is in the show and in mm. the movies cuz I Bones is my favorite character like Bones in, is the best. In TOS Bones like my husband and I've talked about it. I have my favorite captain is Jean-Luc Picard, my favorite doctor is is Dr. McCoy. Like and and that's very close because I love Robert Picardo and Voyager too and that's yeah. a whole other once again I could do a whole thing. Oh, I'm well aware. But but I felt like they always underused Carl Urban. I felt like they always that the, they never let Spock really like Zach Quinto really shine as Spock in, in a in a way that made sense to me, mm-hmm. and so then when I heard Simon Pegg was writing the third one, I was kind of going into it already like okay this guy because Simon Pegg is a fan oh so much. first and foremost he is a fan of Star Trek and a lot of people because of the divisiveness of Into Darkness did not give beyond a chance, which is why we're not getting a fourth movie, guys. It's your fault. I mean, they haven't officially said that, but when Captain when Captain Kirk just, walks away, you're done. Can I just say, franchise fans are the worst. Well, I mean, it's be- partially because, like, people didn't go see Beyond. Beyond barely made its money back domestically. Yeah. I don't think, I it, I don't think it did make it domestically. I think it had an international box office and everything. So, because of that, like, I watched a video on this the other day. Uh, Pine was going to have to take a... a pay cut for the fourth movie and he refused to do that like they weren't going to pay pine or quinto as much as they promised to for a fourth movie yeah 
So I don't blame Pine for walking away. I don't blame Hemsworth for walking away. Like, I, I understand. I think it would have been a fantastic movie to see, like, what they could have done. But because, as fans, we di- people didn't want to give it a chance, mm-hmm. they missed something brilliant. Because Star Trek Beyond, it, number one, it made me cry in the movie theater. <laughs> and not just because of Anton Yelkin, although yeah. that was definitely on my mind when I yeah. watched it. Because uh, it's kind of the same thing as, like, The Last Jedi. I cried at, like, the first moment Carrie Fisher comes on screen. Oh, yeah. Same thing with, like, Rogue One, the end with Carrie Fisher. I just cry because I'm a huge fan of hers. But, and, and you had Anton Yelkin who had passed away and Leonard Nimoy who had passed away. Yeah. And Nimoy passed away pre-filming. And they give him such a send-off in this movie. Aw. Like, because, spoilers for that movie. Um, the whole point of that movie, at the like, because people have talked about how Act 1 is very slow. I think Act 1 is the TV show. Mm-hmm. Because the way it picks up, literally where the TV show would have ended. Oh, yeah. On, like, like they're, they're, oh, three years, they're three or four years into their five-year voyage. Yeah. Because, like, the mo- second movie starts with the five, like, they're getting, or yeah. ends with them getting ready to go on the five-year voyage. And the the third movie start, or starts in, like, the middle of that. And yeah. you have a captain's log. And he's, not only that, he's uh, negotiating for peace with other people. Oh, wow. Yeah. He gets his shirt ripped in the first ten minutes. <laughs> like, there's, Chekhov gets kicked out of a girl's quarters, which, if you know anything about Chekhov yes. in the original series, he was a ladies' man. And so, yeah, it's just, for me, the first 20 minutes, 30 minutes of the movie is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then Idris Elba shows up as the villain, and he's got a very murky villain until the last 15, 20 minutes yeah. of the movie when his when he's really revealed for what he is. And it's it's about like I can't even talk about it completely, but like there's a big twist with who Idris Elba yeah. ends up being. Because at first you think he's just random alien number twelve number twelve, you know, or whatever, and this yeah. was the 50th anniversary year, and there was all this big stuff going on, but there were so many little stories within it because yeah. everybody gets split up. Oh, I did not know that. Because Idris Elba's people take out the Enterprise. <gasps> Which, shock, shock, the Enterprise gets broken every movie. That's not shocking. But they they don't just take... Like, it doesn't blow up. Mm-hmm. They have, like, little tiny spaceships that rip it into pieces. Oh, man. So, like, the saucer section crashes, and this section crashes, and... Uh, so you have uh, split apart. You have Spock by or not Spock, Scotty by himself, mm-hmm. which is where he meets Jayla, played by Sophia Butella, who is yeah. one of the best additions to the cast. Like I love her so much. Yeah. she's an angry alien female who doesn't have a romance romance subplot. Nice. She just kicks butt all over the place. Awesome. She's also a super smart engineer, scientist type woman who's taught herself everything. Perfect. Yeah, fantastic. She I'm meets, in love with her already. So she meets Scotty. So they're kind of a twosome. Uh, Kirk and Chekhov. Uh-huh. Are off by themselves because yeah. they've they've gotten they've gotten separated from the crew uh, and then uh, and then the rest of the crew's been, eventually the crew's been captured but the leading of that part would be Sulu and Uhura yeah which yeah there's also the big thing about Sulu being gay which is such a non-issue but yeah I don't care because like I I genuinely didn't notice not didn't notice it that's the whole it 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 didn't it's not like oh look oh look oh look it just was a th- part of his character it didn't think yeah. But anyway, and then off to the last part, you have Spock and Bones. And Spock and Bones is my Yay. favorite relationship because they're so contentious <laughs> and yet love each other in a... They're the they, they're And yeah, so they're off by themselves. Spock has gotten hurt. He has to cauterize like, the I'm, wound. It's beautiful. I, like, I was never really a huge... Like, I didn't watch... Like, I watched the original series because mm-hmm. like, my dad watched it. But I was never... it was. Like, it was just never something that, like, really, like, got into, like, my bones. But I will say, 
Like, I didn't know, like, the phrase back then, but, like, Spock, Bones, and Kirk, they're, like, major OT3. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, and, I mean, there's a lot so, of, there's a lot of, uh, you know, stuff written about the fact that it sh- was actually Kirk, Spock was a love story. Yeah. And, I mean, there's, there's evidence to support it. Oh, yeah. I, I would rather watch Spock and Bones. Because I'm a right. very much like friends to enemies or for enemies to friends to lovers, <laughs> bantery type of friendship, yeah. and that's what they have, and and so you get all of that. But you also have Spock and Kirk try, are, are deciding if they want to leave the Enterprise or not. Yeah, Kirk has a chance to become an admiral, and Ambassador Spock has died. Yeah, so Spock thinks he needs to go and take the place of, and and because there's so few Vulcans left, he needs to go and be there. Yeah. And so, like, you see him get Spock's belongings. Like, he, he receives Ambassador Spock's belongings. Oh, man. And one of the, this is the part that I'll probably cry talking about it because I get stupid emotional about it. At the end of the movie, after they've saved the day and everything, mm-hmm. there's also some, Jaquino's score is beautiful. Like, it's, oh, yeah. I'm not going to like everything, but it's amazing. But the, one of the last things you see with Spock before they go to Jim's birthday party, because this all takes place around Kirk's birthday, <laughs> yeah. which he is a year older than his father was when he died. Oh, so you've wow. got that. Yeah, that that with Jim, but Spock opens up Ambassador Spock's belongings, and the thing on the very top, yeah, is the picture from the motion picture of the oh, cast. oh wow! So you have the entire cast of the original series in this picture, and I just started crying in the theater. Yeah, like, oh, I like, bet because I like and I've have, met you. you I have know. Spock, <laughs> I'm being teary talking about it, but you have Spock. You have Zachary Quinto's Spock looking down at this picture, seeing where his place truly is. Mm-hmm. But also for me, the the fan and the 50 year anniversary of it all, you have that. And then you go to Jim's birthday and they're doing a toast. And I don't think this was intentional on anybody's part. Mm -hmm. It's just the way it's cut together. He does a toast and it says to uh, Jim says to long lost friends or forgotten friends or whatever Mm -hmm. uh, to departed friends. I think it is. And for a split second, the camera goes to Anton Yelkin. Oh my heart. Like you can see him as he's saying it. It, it, It's not like zoom in or anything like that. It's just, you can see him. And for me, I felt like that moment was a moment of them saying we love him and he's gone because they dedicate the movie to Leonard Nimoy and to Anton. Yeah. Like it says for Anton at the end. And you're just like, kill me now like this is amazing yeah but the and the last thing you see in the shot in, in the show is them watching the enterprise a being built like mm-hmm. the, which is the motion picture enterprise yeah so yeah i'm stupid nerd about it and but i think it's so underappreciated because it also has things to say about peace and war and veterans and letting go yeah of a warlike nature because idris elba's character can't let go of that and it's it, to me it has a lot to say in a sci-fi way mm-hmm. But it's also got those character moments that I kill for. Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry for the long rant. But, yeah, that's that's my Star Trek <laughs> love. And I decided I had to talk about that movie because we're not getting another one, basically, yeah. now. And it breaks my heart. Yeah. So. So, name a – it's a, um, a sequel or remake that you thoroughly enjoyed. Okay. So, mine is a weird one for some people because okay. I was a massive fan of this original series. when it, it was a television series that became a movie. I was a massive fan of the movie when it came out in the 97 range. Um, the movie came out in 2017 and it's called Power Rangers. Yes. Um, and like, it's, I can't even tell you, like it had like Brian Cranston, Elizabeth Banks and Bill Hader. But honestly, those are side characters. I mean, Elizabeth mm-hmm. Banks was the villain, but the five main stars, the five Power Rangers, which I'm going to refer to by their character names and not their actor names, because I don't know any of them. Also, Erica Sarah has a small cameo. She's <gasps> Trini's mom. 
Oh. Um, but it dealt with things that no Power Ranger has ever dealt with before. Mm-hmm. The original Power Rangers, what I loved about it as a kid was they were community leaders yes. who got chosen for this. They yes. they were, you know, they worked at a rec center, they they trained kids, they all that kind of stuff. Like they were very much quote unquote good people. Like mm-hmm. they were people yeah. you, as a kid that you could look up to. Movie people are not that. And that's something that I had to struggle with a little bit. Yeah. Because it basically starts like Breakfast Club. You have three of them in detention. Yeah. And I don't think the character of Kimberly is done. I think she's done dirty in this movie. I don't think she's done right. So I have to start. I have to be honest about that. But because what she is in detention for and what you find out her big sin, if you will, is she sent a nude picture of one of her classmates around. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not okay. Like, there's, no, it's not. there's no justification for that. And she even says she's just a horrible person. But it also shows you that you can do something bad and not be a horrible person. Yeah. And Jason, the movie opens with him stealing a a rival team's cow and he get, he ends up wrecking his truck and breaking his leg. And Jason was supposed to get out of this town, ta- out of this little angel grove town and make something of himself. Yeah. Cause he's the football star and put that aside. Those are your two well, lead ish people. Mm-hmm. Cause your other three characters are way more interesting. And I wish I had more screen time. Mm-hmm. You've got Trini who is the Hispanic uh, character. Her name isn't Trini, but she goes by Trini. Yeah. Uh, she, why you end up finding out, like, she and her mom, which is Erica Sarah, have a lot of tension between them. You don't know exactly why. Like, she really mm-hmm. worries, Erica Sarah really worries about her mom and, or about her daughter and, and that kind of stuff. But you find out Trini's a lesbian. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things she and her mom have, have thought about. It never, it never shows it in the movie, but they're talking about, like, their, what's going on in their life around this campfire. And she doesn't say it out loud, mm-hmm. but Zach, the, uh, the Asian character, Zach looks at her and goes, so is it like guy trouble? And then she kind of looks at him and goes, is it girl trouble? And she kind of like, you know, yeah. moves and he, he goes, Oh, okay. That we all have problems. Like nobody's, nobody's mm-hmm. normal. Cause you find out his thing. Uh, cause he's the most, to me, underdeveloped character in it. And I think that I wish they could have done more cause it, there could have been so much done with him. Uh, his mom has, is sick. His mm-hmm. mom, I think, has cancer. I don't know if my doctor actually tells you, but she is bedridden. He has to take care of her and still go to school and be a high school student. Yeah, and and he plays chess with her and he cooks for her. He makes sure she takes her pills. Like that's a real like that. Mm-hmm. But then there's Billy and Billy. One of the things he tells Jason early on in the movie is he's on the spectrum. Yeah, he's in he's in detention because he accidentally made a bomb because he thought it was interesting. It wasn't right. It wasn't like a big bomb. It was just like a little one. But still, it, it's a bomb. But he's he's autistic, and he it, it's never treated as anything bad. It's not. It's just he's yeah. it, He's a little bit different. He's also the freaking heart of the thing. Because like, if you're gonna watch this, I'm gonna throw a spoiler out there right now. Okay, it's a huge spoiler, big thing. Middle to end of the movie, Rita Repulsa kills him. Okay, and I was ready to walk out of the movie theater. <laughs> I was gonna throw things. Because, like, at this point, the, the can't even morph still. Yeah. Like, they're still training and, and all that kind of stuff. But Brian Cranston, who plays Zordon, has figured out if they morph. I forgot he was Zordon. Yeah, if they morph, he can come back to life. Yeah. He winds up sacrificing that so Billy can come back. Aw. Which is, like, super emotional. But the fact that they were willing to take so many different things and put them all in. They, these people can be mm-hmm. superheroes. Yeah. Like that is your first lesbian superhero. That is your first, like on, on movie, like yeah, in, yeah. in a big movie, uh, autistic superhero, mm-hmm. uh, an Asian superhero. Yeah. And the other two, yeah, they're white, <laughs> but, but they're good people. I mean, and, and yeah. you get to see that 
as you go through. And like Billy and Jason do become very close friends, even though Jason's a little off put at first. Yeah. To me, it's just such like, it was exactly what, almost exactly what Power Rangers is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And I loved it for that. And I know that like some people are like, Oh, it was just a big fight at the end and Krispy Kreme. And the Krispy Kreme thing is hilarious to me because there's some some promotion. Yeah. But it's not a huge thing. You get Rita Repulsa eating a Krispy Kreme donut at one point (laughs) in the movie while a huge fight's going on outside. Okay. That's hilarious. Which is just hilarious. Yeah. And I, I think the movie is really funny but it's also something I want out there for people. Like when I have children someday, it's the kind of movie I want them to see so that they know that just because they're different doesn't mean that they're not right. They're not worthy that's of awesome. being special. And that's sorry. Yeah. That's like why I was so proud of it. Because a lot of a lot of other sequels and reboots I could have done. Yes, but this movie gets no love and it deserves <laughs> all the love. Anyway, mine. I I I went with because like I just couldn't like just died. I went with, I, I have an answer for a sequel and, <laughs> and remake. Uh, the remake again, I love how you and I kind of always end up being on a similar wavelength <laughs> without intending because my favorite remake is Fright Night. Oh, that's from, a great, yeah. From that's 2011 a great with Anton Yelton and, uh, and Colin Farrell and, um, David Tennant. <laughs> and having, because like, I watched, I watched the one from the '80s. Despite the fact that it has the great and wonderful Roddy McDowell in it, I fucking hate the original Fright Night. <laughs> like I was bored. Like I, there's like just some horrible, like outdated, like '80s things to it. Yeah. That, that just like I, I couldn't get past. And like I just remember, like I was. I turned into Madeline Kahn, like, flames, flames on the side of my face. Clue, another really good movie. Yes, Clue. I fought so hard to get it on this list somewhere. <laughs> uh, didn't make it. Anyway. Um, but it, it took, like, to me, like, it was a proper, like, decent, like, reboot. Because just the way, like, because it took, like, the essence Mm-hmm. Of the thing, which is which is a high school student who thinks that, like, his next-door neighbor is a vampire, and he's going to lengths to prove it. And he's right. And, and he's right. And he's going to lengths to prove it. And and so he enlists the help of, like, in the original, like, Roddy McDowell, he was, like, a, um, a, um, oh, my God, what is it called? Uh, access Cable. Did. Cable Access Show. Cable yeah. Access Show, yeah. And, and so... Like that that's what he is. Like he he's a presenter of you know, sort of like a um like a, like like of hammer films and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Like the and when I say like hammer films I'm talking like the Christopher Lee type, yeah. you know, like Peter Cushing, like these type of you know, like Dracula and like he presents like old monster films. Yeah. He presents cheesy, like be real horror movies on a cable access show is what, what he does. And so and then but to update him to a freaking like like showy like Vegas magician like Chris Angel like Chris David yeah Bain. it's it's so good yeah and and like David manages like David Tennant manages to bring a like he manages to bring like a depth and like emotion to mm-hmm. to Peter Vincent that you don't so much feel like with with Roddy McDowell 
Like, just him coming to terms with the fact that he's a coward. Mm-hmm. And like, and he runs into a panic room and just like, and like the you feel like he doesn't say anything, but just through like a few gestures, you understand the amount of self loathing mm-hmm. that he has for himself. And like, he's a great like because it's David Tennant, he's brilliant. Like, he's great at like doing some like the comic relief stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, and Colin Farrell is genuinely scary. Uh-huh. Like. But in that, like, charming kind of scary way. <laughs> yeah. And, like, which, which to me, like, I could go on a whole, like, I could do an entire podcast episode on, like, on what, like, vampires, like, should represent to culture. Yeah. And and Colin Farrell manages to do that. It's like, he's something, like, there's something sexy and, like, enticing, but, like, a little bit taboo about him. And, like, yeah. it's it's good. Like, and Anton... Like, like I, I know he was older, like then, but he feels like an actual like high school teenager. He feels like that in every movie he's ever in, where Pretty he plays much. a teenager. Which was weird because there's a movie that we're gonna watch at some point that I'm gonna have you watch so we can talk about it on the podcast. Uh, the movie called Light Crazy that he mm-hmm. did. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. Yeah. And it was a little bit weird. Like, I had to do a mental adjustment of like, no, 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 he's playing a grown ass adult who has a job and all mm-hmm. these things. But it's, it's great. Um, and, like, I, I think be, it felt, like, unlike a lot of, like, reboots or remakes that, like, I've seen that, like, I end up having problems with, is that they never quite feel like they maintain the spirit of the original. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's either too, like, paint by numbers, and, like, they basically just try to remake the original shot for shot, or they completely missed the point of the original. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I thought this, this managed to to do better by that. And for the sequel, I picked Captain America, the winter soldier. Great movie. Fantastic movie. Yes. And like, I'm not going to go into it a ton, but watch but, it. If you haven't seen it, watch it. I just, <laughs> I just remember like going to see it. Like, cause I saw it with you. And then later, like Meg came to visit like two weeks later and we took her to see it. Yeah. It's a great movie. <laughs> and just, like, I don't know. Well, like, it also has Robert Redford in it, so you were kind of, like, destined oh, I, to... Oh, my God. And, like, <laughs> Robert Redford playing a villain, like, which I had never gotten to see him do. Like, it was... So, you were already I, destined to love I the movie. I was going to love the movie anyway. Yeah. But I, like, there, like, I, I've had some good and I've had some memorable experiences of going to the theater. There are a few that rival the moment of, like, when the face mask comes off and the... Bucky? <laughs> Who? And, like, the entire audience just going, <gasps> like, that was so... I just remember, like, in the theaters, like, like people... I The movie had been out for a couple of weeks, and if you had been, like, spent any time on the internet in, like, the two years leading up to the movie... You knew who the you Winter knew Soldier who was. the Winter Soldier was. And just, like, the gasp that went out in the theater when we were there with Meg, and just watching her, like, slow turn and, like, look out over the theater, like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? <laughs> yeah. It was so good. I loved it. <laughs> but, the, like, this movie, like, it, it's almost a little bit of, like, a political thriller. Yeah. Absolutely. And like it I, I love that about it. Mm-hmm. And like it like the tension like builds perfectly and like oh like in the introduction of Sam Wilson. I yeah. I just love so many things about that movie. It's a great movie. Um but though those are mine. A let's see. Um 
what is uh, like a movie? Like if you're going to just like pick out a movie and say, oh, you have to watch this. Like what? What's the movie okay. that you pick? So the movie that I picked here, I'm actually going to talk about an OTP in a future episode. Okay. But I, I did 2002's Count of Monte Cristo. Noise. Uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, one of which being the message in the movie is to me super good. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, because there's the the was it God will grant me justice that's written in the walls on the yes in Edmund Dantes's. Uh, jail cell and and there's a love story in it but it's about so much more than that Mm -hmm. and and betrayal and redemption and love and i don't i like happy endings so i like the movie a lot because the real story doesn't end the the book doesn't end happily for for anybody really but yeah so i love and i love that second chance message but and as you'll hear me talk about in the OTP episode, the cinematography in this movie is some of the most beautiful stuff ever. It, uh, it's and so like, good. It stars Jim Caviezel and Guy Pearce, uh, Dagmara Dominicic, I mean, and young Henry Cavill. Young Louis, James Frayne. James Frayne, Luis Guzman. Like, and every one of them gives an, an amazing award-winning yes. performance. Like, they should have won all the awards for this, in my opinion. Yes. And this was out before Jim Caviezel played Jesus. Yes. So, so this is like early Jim Caviezel. And I love Jim Caviezel anyway. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, and I love James Frain and I, I love Guy Pierce, and, and of course I love Henry Cavill because who doesn't, but, <laughs> but there's, he's just like a six, he's playing a 16 year old boy. So, right. But, but there's he's, something, he's still fat Cavill then. There's something about this movie that is magic to me. Yes. And, and I love this kind of story. Like I said, the, the mercy and redemption and revenge mm-hmm. and, and how revenge is it worth it at, at some, to some point is so good. Like the message of this movie is so good. Mm-hmm. Like you talked about extreme days being a good Christian movie in a lot of ways, even though it's not a Christian movie, I've given you kind of Monte yes. Cristo in that. Yeah. Same yeah. Light. Oh, I can see it. And the, the, oh, the message. Oh, and it has, uh, Oh my God. What's his name? Richard. Oh, Richard Harris. Richard Harris. Yeah. He plays, yes. plays the priest. Yeah. Um, Oh my god, he it's amazing. Like yeah. it's I just love that movie and it's be a beautiful movie to look at even if you're just watching it for yeah. the camera work alone. It's yeah, it's and it's so that's great. I was like this movie. is like four reasons I'm going to choose it. <laughs> yeah. Um mine I was this this close to picking a movie that I'm sure only you and I have seen and it's I Sell the Dead. Great movie. Hilarious. Movie. <laughs> my <laughs> husband's seen it. <laughs> The only, the only, the only actors of name in this movie are Dominic Monaghan and Ron Perlman. Yep. And, but like this movie, you can tell it is a labor of love Mm -hmm. and it was kind, it was a little bit, um, cabin in the woods before cabin in the woods in, in terms of taking like the horror genre and like also being a send up while also being a love. Yeah. And it it did, it did sci-fi as well in there. Yeah. like it throws a couple of different genres up, which is great. Because because what it and like the the synopsis of the movie is like I'm not gonna really go into it because it's not like my actual pick, but it's a movie I'm going to recommend people see because it what it is is like it's it's a grave robber mm-hmm. Dominic Monaghan has like um, he has been raised as a grave robber essentially and he um, and so like grave robbing at a time when grave robbing is illegal. Yeah. And and so he's finally like gotten caught, and so he's going, he's going to die, 
yep. for his crimes. And so the entire movie, it's him talking like a priest. Ron Perlman is the priest who's come to give him absolution and like hear yeah. his confession and everything. And so he's telling this entire story to the priest. And like basically what it is is one night he and his partner are out grave robbing and like they dig up a vampire. Yeah. And and then they kind of get a reputation for the weird ones. And and like it just pulls in like so many different yeah. like horror genres and like you get like zombies and like all this and it's fucking hysterical. It's really funny. Yeah. There there is a moment in the movie that like I don't want to spoil it because it's so fucking funny. But don't spoil it. I'm not, but I'm just saying <laughs> But, like, it's so fucking funny that, like, I laughed until I fell off my bed. I had tears. Like, I had a headache from <laughs> laughing so hard. And, like, th- like I was laughing so hard. My mom came in from the other room and goes, what are you doing? <laughs> and, like, I tried to explain it to her through gasping laughter. And I fucking loved it. But the movie that I'm actually picking for, if I'm ever going to just say, like, you have to see this movie, it's Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Great movie. <laughs> That's that's a really good movie, yeah. Because, like, it's one, because uh, it came out in 2000, and my dad and I rented it, because, like, my, as I've, I've mentioned before, my family, like, ER was appointment viewing for mm. us. Like, we all sat down and watched it together. And, and so, because of that, like, my dad tended, like, like, if George Clooney was in it, my dad gave it a try. Mm-hmm. And... Well, like, he and my mom had divorced, like, by the time the movie was out, and so I was, my weekend, like, to spend with him in his apartment, and once again, because this is what we did every weekend, we went to the video store, and we rented, like, a whole stack of movies, and it had just come out on DVD, and so we grabbed it and and decided to, um, you know, we, we were going to give it a shot. We'd, we'd seen trailers, but didn't really know a ton about it, and decided to give it a whirl, and we watched the movie, and... We, and, like, we're enjoying it, like, we, it's like, we're laughing, and we think it's great, and my dad gets up to go to the kitchen, like, right as I see the, like, you know, inspired by, you know, uh, the Odyssey, yeah. and, and I, I was like, oh, and I read that out loud, and my dad went, what? And, like, whirled around, and we started the movie over and rewatched it, <laughs> and. I love that we both pick literary movies. I know, and. <laughs> great. Like, and there's just. From, like, from the standpoint of of it being, like, based on the Odyssey, like, it's so good. Yeah, like, it's, yeah. It, like, in terms of, like, being an adaptation of something, it's really good. Um, but there, and, like, but also, like, it's set in, like, the Depression era, mm-hmm. which adds a whole other, like, layer to it. Like, it, it's a very layered movie. Yeah. And the fact that, well, like... it's in the South, too. In the yeah, like, and, and in the South, and... Um, and there's just, there is so much good stuff. Like, you've got them, like, coming up against the clan, and... Yep. She turned him into a horny toad! And, and you've got, like, and the, the three sirens, yep. and, and the fact that, like, my dad and I would randomly quote this movie, like, I... Um, I still bring this movie up, and, like, we'll randomly mm-hmm. quote it to my mom. There, there was one night, um, where... Uh, I was coming over and you like we were gonna hang out. Oh, yeah. And you you had you you had a church thing. And so you're like, oh well, I'm gonna be a little bit late, but I should be there and your thing ran a whole lot later and we like 
your sister, Kimmy, and, and yeah. your husband, Josh, like the three of us, we were just kind of sitting here waiting for you so that we could watch whatever it was. We Supernatural, were watching. I think. Supernatural or something, yeah. So we could hang out and like watch this thing that we were going to watch. And and so Kimmy just had the remote and we were just like scrolling through Netflix just because. <laughs> and it came upon, yeah, thing. and like we came upon, oh, brother, where art thou? And we just went, fuck it. And like, we just turned it on like, Oh, we'll just watch this until Michelle gets home. And you came home. Like there was still like 45 minutes left of the movie. And we're like, Oh, oh we're not turning it off. <laughs> and it, it was just like, we just kept like quoting it. Yeah. My and, sisters love that movie for a long time. Oh too, yeah. yeah. And like, um, it's just, well, we was fixing fornicate and just, oh my God, go forever it. There is so much of that movie that I will just randomly quote for no reason because it is so good. It is. Like, are any of you boys uh, smithies or otherwise trained in the metallurgic arts? Yeah, Clooney is amazing in that movie. He really so is. Funny. Like, and, like, and Tim Blake Nelson yeah. and... Oh my god! It's just such a different role for Clooney. Yes, than anybody anticipated. Oh my! Like they're <laughs> like my um, uh, oh, in uh, when um, in college, my uh, my work supervisor. He and another girl I worked with, like one day they just randomly start quoting, like "Daddy, are you bona fide?" It's like I'm the damn pedophilias, <laughs> like. Best thing you ever did for the girls get run over by that train. I didn't get hit by no train. <laughs> but that's but she told them they did. Yeah, <laughs> like and I don't know why. Like there's a line that that Dale and I would just like yell each like because because my my work supervisor Dale he was a marine so like he didn't mind the swearing but because we went to a Christian college he felt the need to like tut 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 us a little bit sometimes language yeah and so um. And so I don't know why, but there was one day, like, I said something, like, I, I tripped and I was like, oh, damn it. And Dale heard me. He's like, you can't swear my fiance. And I just started laughing. He's like, well, you can't marry my wife. <laughs> like, it's just, it's a movie that brings me so much joy on so many levels. <laughs> like, I have to, like, I have to recommend it to people to watch. Um, and since you and I both picked movies that were adapted like from lit- like from literary sources, what is your favorite adaptation? I'm going to be nice and sweet and short with this one, hopefully. Okay. <laughs> it is 2005's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Uh-huh. Uh, I saw it on a date with Josh. We had only been dating a few months. Uh, we went to the Midnight Showing. This is one of two movies in wow. college I went to the Midnight Showing for. What was the other one? Uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. <laughs> I went with... <laughs> I also went to a midnight showing of that, but it was with Meg. <laughs> yeah. I went with uh, my roommate, Meg, <laughs> with my Megan and Danny, I believe, and, yeah. and Joshua, and, which is my husband. And the, th- the three, Danny and Megan were so angry about the littlest things, oh, and it was great. I'm so glad I went with my Meg. <laughs> but it was fun. Because we, 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 we went in pajamas and then had to, like, race the clock to get back to campus. <laughs> we didn't go back to campus. We went to Denny's until, like, 5. Because that's what you do. Well, and I worked at yeah. at six, five or six yeah. in the morning. So, but yeah, so we went to the midnight showing and I had to be at work the next morning. Let me, yeah. let me throw that out there. Yeah, I, yeah. I had work that morning, but the school was having a day off from yeah. classes. I don't remember why, but we had a day off from classes. Mm-hmm. This was in November or December. So it may have been NAIA. It could have been anything. Uh, yeah. Basketball true. tournament. But so we went and saw it and he, just the two of us, mm-hmm. he was a huge fan of the books. And so was yeah. I. And it was the best adaptation of a book I have ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Because I went in, because it has a lot of Christian allegories, because it's written by C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. I went in expecting all of that to have been erased and taken out and for it to barely be a movie. Like, honestly, I did not expect a I, lot. Yeah. It's a Disney version 
of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, I did not expect a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's freaking amazing. They, the stuff they add in is good. Mm-hmm. They, like, it just makes me so happy. And, like, it stars, like, uh, Liam Neeson and, uh, oh gosh, where'd it go? Tilda Swinton is the, is the queen, the mm-hmm. evil queen. Oh my god, like, they're just, it's so good. Like, yeah. I, it's a it's a children's movie, but I have loved those books for a really long time. Don't watch Caspian, it's not as good. But, but the first one, they did it right, and I was shocked and, and happy, and ever since then, it has been, anytime we bring up adaptations of something, mm-hmm. they got the message right. Yeah. And that was entirely unexpected for me. Just yeah. entirely. I, I didn't, I didn't grow up with, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't grow up with C.S. Lewis. Like yeah. I didn't really start reading I, until college. I sought but... him out myself because my family didn't do fantasy. Yeah. But I, I had a children's treasury book or something. Yeah. It was like a book of children's stories. And it had the chapter where Edmund or no, the chapter where Lucy meets T- Mr. Tumnus. Yeah. And because, and I was, I was like, these are really great, right? This is a book. I need to find this. And so I dove yeah. in, I spent all of my money one summer on, eBay buying the books for myself and at different used bookstores. And yeah. And so I didn't have, I don't, I still don't think I have a match set. I ended up buying a Barnes and Noble copy at yeah. one point worth all of them. But yeah, I, yeah. I, that, so I discovered those books on my own and just <laughs> fell in love with the world. But anyway, what was yours? Yeah. Mine is from 1982 and it is the Rankin Bass cartoon of the last unicorn. I, I don't remember my parents reading it to me, mm-hmm. but like I watched, I watched the movie, like, from, because I was born in 84, and this movie came out in 82, and so it was out on VHS when I was very little, and the three movies that I would rent all the time when we went to the video store was The Princess Bride, The Last Unicorn, and The Hobbit, which is also Rankin Bass cartoon, and, and occasionally if they had it, Labyrinth, it was a, a fourth, but, um, as I got older and I like, I read the book for myself weirdly, like it didn't hit me until I read it in college, just how good the adaptation is, which it should be because Peter Beagle did the screenplay and Peter, yeah, Peter always... S. Beagle wrote the book. So he, so he wrote the screenplay of the movie. And so there, there's so much, like, you know, obviously, like, it maintains the spirit of of the book. And and a lot of, you know, there are things that needed to be trimmed that, you know, that, that didn't need to be in there, like, for the sake of the movie. And it is, it is a movie and a book that I did not realize until probably, like, two or three weeks ago, even, how much the story meant to my life and to who I am as a person. And, and I like, it's a movie, like I will just sometimes like put on just like when, when I need, like when I just need to feel happy, like when I need to like, or like when basically it's like when I'm overwhelmed, <laughs> like with a bunch <laughs> of different kinds of feelings. I'm like, I just need, I need a stabilizer. I need something. And, and this movie, it had like, it, like the movie, the book, like they both have, like, there's a lot of humor. There's, it's, uh, and because, and like, it's something we were talking about off mic, because the book was written as like a meta, like satire of like medieval romances. 
But the fact that like it's a fairy tale and everybody in the fairy tale knows that they are in a fairy tale, it affects the book. And so like everybody has their own roles and they know what their role is. And the fact that you have like two of the main characters in this book, um, the unicorn who becomes the lady Amalthea when she's turned into a human and Prince Lear, they are two people who come into their roles late in the story and they're still figuring out what it is that they're supposed to be. And so when you finally have the moment where they realize, Oh, I know who I am. I know what I am and I know what it is I'm here to do. It's so powerful, like in the book and in the movie. And, and I didn't really like watching this as a kid, like none of that ever occurred to me, but recently like it suddenly come to like mean the world to me. And, and even like, I'm talking like how much I love this book. We, um, our friend Shane for our D and D group, he ran, uh, the curse of Strahd, mm-hmm. uh, campaign. And I like when I was creating a character, I knew that I, because of like with work and I was super stressed all the time, I knew that I needed to create a character to play who somebody who I wouldn't have to like think about. And like, what's my motivation for this? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like would I steal money from these orphans, you know, <laughs> like these questions that come up in D and D you know, like would like, would I just outright kill this person? You know, these sorts of yeah. things. And like, and I just knew, like I needed a character who like, I already knew from the ground up. And mm-hmm. so I played a fighter who I completely based on Lear yep. and, and like said it, it's something that means a lot to me. And, and like, I'm actually like rereading the book right now and like finding stuff in it. That was just like, that just still blows me away. And it's, it's, it's such a great story and I love it so much. And like, and the movie I love equally. Um, but moving on from adaptations, um, what, and how, like, you know, we have these adaptations that we love. What is something that you love that everybody else hates? Okay. So this one, <laughs> this one has a double, I think meaning like it's one movie. I only picked one. And it's there's also, a, there's a double meaning in that. <laughs> it's also from 2005. Uh-huh. And it's also a date I went on with Josh. In fact, it was the first date that my <laughs> husband and I went on. Uh, and and so that it does have a sentimental place mm-hmm. in my heart because we sat in the back of the movie theater and snarked at this movie. <laughs> but I also genuinely enjoy this movie. And that is 2005's Fantastic Four with Chris Evans, Michael Chiklis, Yoan Griffith, and Jessica Alba. Yeah. And Julian McMahon as Dr. Doom. Oh, Julian, he's so good. And yes, we did sit in the back of the movie theater and snark at it. But it's also enjoyable. Like I just got it for Christmas from my mom mm-hmm. The both, both of them that came in a two pack. Yeah. And I'm so excited that I have it now. Cause I, yeah. it's, I I recognize our shortcomings, but you and I talked about this off mic a little bit too. It is a movie that is being judged on now rather than on when it came out. Because yeah. when it came out, that is what comic book movies were. Oh, absolutely. Were cheesy and, and uh, like tropey, I guess would be a good way to put it. Yeah. You didn't anticipate a Winter Soldier right. from a Fantastic Four movie. And granted, that has totally changed and I am super thrilled about it. Uh, but yeah. But people like spit on that movie and say there's never been a good showing of the Fantastic Four. And yeah, do I think that the special effects need work? Do I think that Michael Chiklis is the thing suit could have been better? Absolutely. But number one, it's better than like the nineties one and I will fight you. (laughs) But it actually, for me gets across a lot of the, the main characteristics 
everyone, but possibly J- the invisible woman, possibly Sue, Sue. She doesn't get as much character development as I think she deserves. She yeah. becomes a pawn between the two guys in some respects. Yeah. But I, overall, I love this movie. And it's, it's I really hate that good. it gets, I've, but it's hated. Yeah. Like, I looked it up. It's got a 40 something percent on Rotten Tomatoes critically. Yeah. At, no, I'm sorry. 27% critically and like a 40 something mm-hmm. audience. Because I wanted to pick something that I was like, this is the first thing that popped in my head because of how much mm-hmm. I have enjoyed this movie. And yeah, there probably is a little bit of like rose colored nostalgia for our man. I want to say eighth or ninth wedding anniversary is when <laughs> I know where this is going is when the new one came out. Like it was, it was a wedding. It was, it came out August. Our anniversary is August 30th. Yeah. We went and saw it for that wedding anniversary. And we were both so angry <laughs> that we had wasted our time with that movie because the new one was bad. Like straight up. It's like four movies crammed into one and there's no conceivable, like actual through line story. And it's upsetting. Listeners, this will tell you like how bad this movie was. <laughs> So Michelle and Josh are ostensibly like out on a date. Yeah. Yeah. To see this movie, which we and, don't do. <laughs> and I don't remember where I was, like what I was doing. I feel like I had gone home to mom's. Like I Maybe. feel I was with her when and, like, you called me and, and I knew what you guys were doing. Cause like yeah. you had told me your plans. And so I was like, why is Michelle calling me? And so, but like I answered my I phone. I was livid. That's why. Yeah, like I answered the phone <laughs> And I was like, hey, what's going on? And just the first words out of your mouth were, it's so bad. Like, what? What? Like, just can't. It's so (laughs) bad. And like, Josh, like, I just hear Josh in the background just like, boo. Like, (laughs) like, yeah, yeah, just the two of you, like. I've never gotten up and left a movie, but I have been so tempted because that was just not a good movie. (laughs) Just the two of you. But the first, but like the 2005, and I don't actually have that big of a problem with Silver Surfer. I don't think it's great. Yeah. But I really enjoy that that other movie. And like, to come compare the two and just trash the 2005 one upsets my heart because it doesn't deserve it. <laughs> well, again, because we're on the same weird wavelength, I've also picked a superhero movie. Yay! Um, mine is from 1996, and it is The Phantom, starring uh-huh. Billy Zane. Uh, which I know you haven't seen. No, uh, Josh has, though, I believe. Oh, man. I kind of want to bring Josh Maybe not. I could be wrong. <laughs> I could be 100% wrong. I think he watched it while I was gone one summer. Um, this movie, okay, it is set in the night. It's set in 1939 mm-hmm. in like in New York, but also like on an Island. Um, and like, it's got it, Billy Zane, Treat Williams, uh, Catherine Zeta Jones, uh, Christy Swanson. Uh, I've gone completely blank on his name. John Tenney has a very like small part in it. And there's just like, okay, I'm a sucker for anything like set in like the late thirties, early forties. Yep. I, yeah, like, and I'm, like, I'm fascinated by, by, like, World War II. There's a reason, like, why Captain America is one of my favorite comic book heroes, like, because of the, you know, 30s and 40s. But people, people hate this movie. And the thing about it is that, to, like, Billy Zane is what makes me love this movie. And, and I hate that he's kind of become one of those, like, you know, like I'm waiting just like for him to show up in like Expendables 16 or something <laughs> like that, um, because he's just kind of become this like you know cheap action star. Mm-hmm. But he has, and this this is going back like before like even like before Titanic. 
like I like watching like watching the Phantom because like he he's one of like Biff's like henchman bros in in mm-hmm. a couple of the Back to the Future movies. <laughs> That's right. That. And and like and he did a movie uh, called like Dead Calm and uh there like I've just you know seen like I had seen him in you know things leading up to this like which even though like I was a kid like I didn't always get it but seeing the Phantom like there's something about and this finally hit me. Billy Zane has always felt like an old Hollywood actor to me. Well, that's fair. And, and so he, like, he, like, he carries himself like a Cary Grant or like a Jimmy Stewart or something like, like he just has this old Hollywood charm to him. And, and so like that comes across in this, like in the Phantom so hard for me and like, and he's so affable and he's so charming. And, um, and the fact, you know, like it's set in the 1930s, which is, you know, like old Hollywood glamor is at its peak, you know, and, they're like I just can't describe like they're this movie like I said it hinges on um like and it hinges on Billy Zane and just how good he is um but also Treat Williams is one of those fantastic like scenery chewing mustache twirling <laughs> villains well it's Treat Williams it's Treat Williams and so he's like so over the top and it's great and so this the Phantom kind of came out at a time when comic book movies really weren't being done. Because it would be another, like, four or five years before, mm-hmm. like, before we got, like, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Well, we had Batman, but that's about it. Like, we had Batman. I, s- I said that's about it. Yeah, yeah, that's about it. But even, like, and we had the superhero movies of the, uh, you know, we had the super or not superhero, I meant to say Superman movies, of, mm-hmm. like, you know, the Richard Donner the Superman. Movies, yeah, yeah extra movie movies. And, and those are whole subset. And, like, Batman... You know, uh, like the Tim Burton Batman movie, it was like eighty nine. Yeah, like it was in the early eighties or not early, sorry, the late eighties. And and so this, I like, I feel like Batman is kind of an outlier because yes, it is absolutely because until it started with Batman Forever, and then like it was drop kicked in Batman and Robin, <laughs> um, which you bought me for Christmas. <laughs> I did. Um, but I, uh, like, the the first two Batman movies, like, the Tim Burton ones, like, they are so dark. Uh-huh. And so, like, despite the fact that, like, it's it's a Batman movie, like, it, like it's so, it's so dark. Like, that it, like, it, it feels like, it almost feels like, like, you know, like, what Blade Runner is to sci-fi. Like, this, yes. this is to, like, to superhero movies. Yeah, like, it feels accurate. like a complete outlier. Because before that, it was, like, the Richard Donner Superman. Yep. And... And stuff like that. And so the Phantom feels kind of like the beginning of, like, I, I see almost like I see some parallels of, like, the cheesiness between, like, from the Phantom <laughs> to, like, the like the early, like, Tobey Maguire Spider-Man and the, uh, and the Fantastic Four. <laughs> and, and even a little bit, like, the first X-Men movie. Yeah. Because yep. to me, it... <laughs> Like even those, like as good as the X, as good as the first X Men movies are, 
it's like they're still like it, to me like it feels like they're like they're still shackled in some way like they're it feels like there's yeah. something that's keeping it took them. Robert Downey Jr. to walk in and kick it, the shackles in yeah, the face exactly because I, I was gonna say this a minute ago when you were talking about Fantastic Four like it took until Iron Man to completely change the game yeah you had to have John Favreau willing to yes willing to do something different and Marvel Studios willing to say we want to yes. do something different and yeah it took a lot of pieces to that puzzle yes and good job Kevin Feige <laughs> absolutely <laughs> For seeing but the puzzle, there and like I, I think like I just love the Phantom for the same reason that you love the Fantastic mm-hmm. Four is that there is there's a little bit of like a cheesy nostalgia to it yeah. that I just love and it is it's a good it's a good popcorn like comfort movie for me. I agree. Um, That's what I feel. Excuse me. So okay, we this is a a category that we were talking about of of movies that. Um, because we, we kind of talked about animated movies, and we finally settled on, like, your favorite family film, like, mm-hmm. one from from then and one from now. So something yeah. like a family movie that you enjoyed, like, when you were a kid versus one that, like, you really love now. Yeah. Um, this is where my cheating comes in. Uh-huh. I chose three movies for the then. <laughs> uh, they are a series, so I feel like okay. kind of... Uh, Mighty Ducks 1, 2, and 3. 92, 94, 96. Oh, that counts. It <laughs> Wait, counts. Absolutely. And, and yes, only half of that is my love of Joshua Jackson. I mean, but I watched half. Mighty Ducks 2 and 3... Well, I mean, you've also got Portman and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've got a lot of them. But, I mean, I was a, a teenage girl. I mean, in, 90, in 94, I wasn't even 10. 96, I wasn't even 10. Oh my no, God. I was turning 10 in that year. Oh, my God. So, so yeah. Like, I I watched... We had the, like... Mighty Ducks was recorded off TV. But D2 and D3, mm-hmm. we had, like, the foam Disney yeah. boxes. Like, the, oh, the plastic foam things. Yeah, we had them. And, like, I watched those movies so many times. Especially D2. Mm-hmm. But so many times. To me, D2 is the best of the three. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mighty Ducks 1 is more, more a grown-up movie, even. Yeah. But I, I loved all three of them so, yeah. so much. The first one is more about Gordon. Yeah. but And I just loved all three of them in, in a way that I, I own them now. Like, yeah. I, they are something I, that I still love. I haven't rewatched them in a long time. They might not hold up at all. I don't know. I watched D2 probably, it was sometime last year. It holds up. Good. But there's something about those movies. And, like, there's only one or two other sports movies that I really love. Uh, remember the Titans is one, uh, and, the, Titans and the Blind good. Side. Those are like and, not Far City Blues. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, and actually, I have I do own another one. I see it now. Uh, it's called Greater, and it's based on somebody from my hometown. Like yeah. it's, it's the yeah, story yeah, yeah, of my yeah. hometown. It's a true yeah. story. But like just movies, it's those. Like that's it. It's yeah. Mighty Ducks and uh, and Remember the Titans and the Blind Side, and that's pretty much it. Like yeah. I mean, I'll do other ones. Don't judge me. But a League of Their Own. Uh, well, yeah, a League of Their Own. I do love that movie too. I forgot, <laughs> forgot that one. How dare you, sir? I know, right? But but yeah, like I, the Mighty Ducks, I've never liked. The difference also being, I've never liked hockey, but I love the <laughs> Mighty Ducks. Either my dude, but I love the Mighty Ducks movies, and yeah. so that was my that was my like when I was a kid, mm-hmm. the thing that I loved. As an adult, it was a little bit harder. I had a lot more choices. Yes, um, I ended up going with the Lego Movie from 2014. Really? Yeah, with uh, Chris Pratt, Elizabeth Banks, Will Ferrell, all them. 
there's something about that movie that was really magical to me. Watch, yeah. I watched it. To be fair, I think part of it's how I watched it because I watched it with a group of teenagers. <laughs> and that'll do it. My mom thinks it's dumb. We also color it that way. The moment the, that will you find out Will Ferrell's a real person and it's his son play. She mom checked out. Whereas for me, that's the moment I went really like I sat forward. That, yeah, me and I was too. like, this is what like someday if we have kids. I I want to be that parent that plays yeah. with their kid and that that is willing to like to create yeah. stories with their kid and and that message being out there and like granted it's also a really funny movie because once again Chris Pratt and Elizabeth Banks <laughs> like really funny yes and I don't love Will Ferrell but I really like him in this movie and and so yeah like there's something about it that is so like friendly mm-hmm. like. And there are other ones that I think are fantastic, like Inside Out, which I almost chose. Uh, Tangled, which is another one of my like, great. Disney favorites. I mean, I almost chose like a half a dozen. I had mm-hmm. This was probably my longest list. Yeah. Sleeping Beauty is one that I go back now and see yep. the beauty in it. And yeah, it's just, there are so many choices. But I went with the Lego movie because I love the message it presents. Yeah. Of, of being with your kid and and not stifling your kid's creativity. And that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mine, um, I went. I went with two movies that um, I've actually watched recently, and one of them because like, I was so worried that it wouldn't hold up. But a while back, like a few months ago, um, our friend Megan and I—I I don't know—I don't know what got us started, but we we were tweeting each other, and and suddenly, like. I think, like, she tweeted something about the My Little Pony movie from the 80s. And, <laughs> I remember that movie. And, and it just got me, like, on this tangent. And so the next thing I know, I'm ordering, like, two Care Bears movies and My Little Pony and something else. Like, I don't remember. But, like, I ordered, like, five movies, like, from my childhood. <laughs> and um, and had, you know, ordered them from Amazon and, like, started watching them again. And and just like one night, just a couple months ago, I randomly put in the uh, Care Bears movie to the second gen or the next generation, and which I always loved it more. And I didn't realize this until I was rewatching it. There's probably a reason I love this one more, and it's because Cree Summers, one of the voice oh, actors, I love yeah, she. Like yeah, she's the voice of she's the voice of Christy, like one of the one of the girls in the movie, and that it it really held up i'm like i don't want kids i've yeah. i i do not want to have children i was like but like if i were babysitting somebody's kids i was like i'd like i'm going to sit you down and watch this movie because it's great <laughs> you uh, will learn <laughs> like like sherry's caring <laughs> um I mean, yeah i i really love that because that's the one where um that's the one where um it tells sort of like the origins of, of the Care Bears and you've got lots of heart and true heart, not lots of heart, but I can't remember anyway. Um, and then like, and the villain dark heart is so good. Like used to creep me out when I was a kid. <laughs> um, it's like, and the re and I realized this, there was actually some, there's something kind of brilliant about it is that because dark heart is a shapeshifter. Like it, it kind of makes me think of like, um, like lost because a lot of time it's just a plume of smoke, <laughs> but he like, he shapeshifts into like various animals. And like at one point he's like a sea serpent and, <laughs> and all of these things. But in the, um, but the, the kind of like final form that he takes, like when he's doing the most evil is a white man. <laughs> 
Huh? Like rewatching it, I'm like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we got some gender politics happening. Um, like, and it was really kind of brilliant, and like I just I loved it. Like I rewatched this movie, and like I felt like just so happy and just like so giddy, like I did <laughs> like when I, like when I was a kid, and like when I loved it and watched it all the time, and. But the movie that I picked for, like, my favorite family film, like, for now, I, it's a movie that came out when I was a kid, and I, I thought about having it for that, but it, it's a movie that means so much more to me as an adult, and it's the movie Hook from 1991. Oh, fantastic movie. I love that movie. Like, I, one, like, I had to have Robin Williams some here, like, somewhere I almost picked Aladdin for the record. Yeah. Like, that was on my my short list. I, like, I had to have Robin Williams in here somewhere, because, like, I, like, Dead Poet Society is a movie that means so much to me, but also, but, like, I don't know, this one, Hook, and re-watching it as an adult, and seeing, like, what it is to, like, like, as an adult, like, with depression, the fact, like, Peter is an adult who can't find a happy thought. Mm Mm-hmm. It, it hits hard. It means a lot. It means a lot to me now. And and the fact, it, just seeing, like, a grown-up Peter Pan is is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And, like, the characters that you get in this movie. And, like, and just Robin Williams and, like, and his ability, like, he... <laughs> Robin Williams is, like, one of the celebrity deaths that still hits me really hard. Like, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, David Bowie, those three, like, it still hurts. And, like, Robin Williams had this ability to play. Yeah. That can never be outmatched. And it's so prevalent in this movie. And, and like, watching it as a kid and seeing him, like, once, like, he finally remembers that he's Peter Pan... And and he start he starts to play with the with the Lost Boys. It was like that's what I wanted grown ups to be when I was a kid. And and now it's just something that that like rewatching as an adult, like it has so many layers to it mm-hmm. and it's something that like I appreciate so much more. It's like that's that one. So let's go with um your top five desert island movies. Okay, so I cheated on this one. <laughs> okay. But only by one. Okay. Uh I put the very first one I put uh was Mamma Mia one and two. Okay. Because I don't believe you should separate those movies. Absolutely not. And they are two of the movies that give me like Great joy. When mm-hmm. the second one came out last year, I watched it. I watched it with my sister. I watched it by. My, I watched it with my husband, and then I'll still just put it in on occasion because it's it's such a right. happy movie, and I love the first one too. Um, but there's something about the second one that is just that hits me like it. Yeah, it's just like it's not okay. I'm not going to say it's like the greatest movie ever. There is some excellent camera work in it, right? Like super good camera work. But it's just enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I can just sit back, and I number one, you get very little singing by by our our guy uh, Pierce Brosnan. He sings a little, but not like SOS level. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the second one gets a little, you know, top up for that. Yeah, but I love everything about both those movies. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just there's a joy in them. Yeah, and you can tell the people who made them are having fun. Mm-hmm. And like Colin Firth is is full on like. <laughs> Kingsman, he's Kingsman out just about. Like his name is Harry and that, and his yeah. name is Harry and Kingsman. So head canon is that they're the same person. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just want that. Yeah, 
but yeah, like there's just something about that movie that those movies that made me mm-hmm. super happy. Um, the second one, unlock my phone. The second one was Avengers. Because you, you nice. that's that's probably my favorite. I of the, I fought so hard to like try to put it onto my yeah. list, and I just oh. Uh, number three was a Knight's Tale, two thousand one with Heath Ledger, of course. Which is it's it's just such no. it's got that that medieval quality that I I want in a movie, but it's also got We Will Rock You. Honey, so in the back of my head this entire time, I'm like she's not mentioned a Knight's Tale once. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's it's Queen and medieval. What more did I yeah, want? Like absolutely. Uh, and then the Philadelphia Story. Nice. With Mr. I approve. With Catherine Hepburn, Cary Grant, Jimmy Stewart. I uh, want you to know for a split second, you said the Philadelphia Story, and my brain thought Tom Hanks Philadelphia, and no. went, huh? I mean, oh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that's not a good movie. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But I was like, that's a total, like that's a that's, <laughs> that's a, not something that's I want a on left, a desert like, island. Like, yeah, I was like, that's a left turn in a different direction. I don't want like, that movie on a desert island. I want happiness. I understand. Uh, and the Philadelphia Story is the film that saved Catherine Hepburn's career. In a lot of ways, uh, she did it on stage first, and then she bought the rights, and so she mm-hmm. could make the movie. And she made it with Cary Grant, who is, as you guys know, one of my favorite mm-hmm. favorite actors, and Jimmy Stewart. How can yeah. you not love Jimmy Stewart? There's a musical remake of it later. <laughs> yes. that's not the greatest, but it's still really good. It's fun, and so yeah, I I put that on there because I needed a Cary Grant movie on this list. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the last one, the 2007 movie called Hot Fuzz. <laughs> It's the, okay. the second movie in Simon Pegg's Simon Pegg and Ed Wright's Cornetto, Cornetto trilogy. trilogy. It's the first one I ever saw. Yeah, uh, I watched it at college with uh, with a friend at mm-hmm. the place, the museum I worked. But yeah, so those are my five. Like okay. I, I, they're just all fun because I think if you're stranded on a desert island, you need fun. Mm-hmm. And Hot Fuzz and Avengers can give you the action kick you need. And and they're just all good stories. Yeah, like, they're just great stories. I, when I was thinking about, because you and I had, we had kind of had a phone conversation and, you know, talking about like some parameters and stuff yeah. like for, for our list. And you were talking about how like for, for your, your, uh, your desert Island five that you had like an action movie and, you know, comedy, like you had a yeah. classic and, um, you know, you had mentioned having a musical and, and, you know, and all these. Yeah. And so I was kind of thinking of, okay, parameters for mine like that. You know, I, I want a musical because, um, you know, if, if this is a desert island where, like, I'm only going to have movies, I'm going to have to have, like, some... I had two cuts that were, like, painful. <laughs> Singing in the Rain and the First Wives Club. Oh, yeah. Painful. Yeah, painful yeah, cuts. that's hard. But anyway. It's like, I, I know, like, I need, I need a musical, I need a horror movie, I need, um, it's like, I need something, like, I need something for my childhood, like, I need something that's nostalgic, and, you know, like, I, like, I, and, like, the other two were kind of open-ended, mm-hmm. and, and I thought an action movie, and I, I really, like, I was so close to putting the Avengers on this list, and <laughs> it pained me to have to take it off. But I got movies, you covered. <laughs> the movies that I picked, Dirty Dancing. Ooh, good. Because I thought about it, and I was like, I need, I need something with a, with a bit of a love story to That's it. That's why I want a Night's Tale. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I need, I need a little bit of a love story, like, and, like, just the dancing. Mm-hmm. Like and also, I've had a crush on Patrick Swayze since I was like three years old. So, mm-hmm. uh, Dirty Dancing. Uh, my horror movie I went with is The Changeling from 1980, starring Georgie e. Scott. It is my favorite horror movie of all time. If you haven't seen it, find it. It's great. It's it's a ghost story uh, uh, horror movie. Like it builds tension. Like 
it's oh it's so good and like it's just a whole like creepy house and I love it um my um my kind of like open-ended like I realize like I, I need something with ladies like I need I need a female movie and I went with Steel Magnolias oh good choice and and that that's one like that is one of the few like like chick flick type movies like my dad would watch and um and like there were just random lines that we would randomly say you know like half a chicken pin pairs come come give their eye teeth to take a whack at weezer like it's it's a mouthful of a line but like we would randomly say it that and the um uh oh my gosh i'm just completely spaced but just the um uh you know it's he's your hair make it look like a brown football helmet you know, just there's so many like bits from Steel Magnolias that I I love. It's like that it's and it, like it's just a good like comfort movie. And it's like it also, depending on my mood, can reduce me to tears. I'm like, if I'm stuck on a desert island, I'm gonna need some catharsis at some point. It's true. The one that I pick like from like I need something nostalgic for my childhood, I went with Labyrinth. Mm-hmm. Um because and and like it also serves as a little bit of an action movie like it's like for for a kid it's yeah. an action movie yeah. and just i could go on and on and on about how great david bowie is as a sympathetic villain and jennifer connelly hits it out of the park and just this like the movie the movie is like you know 30 years old and and just the it go it's something like it's a testament to to the great work of the Jim Henson company that rewatching it like it's a movie that still manages so like it fascinates me and like it it tickles my imagination like even as an adult and I love it and my last one and I cannot believe that this is the one that I've picked <laughs> but I'm going with it anyway. And it's the Star Kid musical Twisted. I almost put that on my list. <laughs> like, uh, like it, it, I almost twitched it out like three different times. Because, because like I thought, it, like I kept thinking, it's like okay, I've got to have like so, like something Disney, you know, like Sleeping Beauty or like Beauty and the Beast or the Little Mermaid, you know, like Pocahontas, like mm-hmm. these you know, Mulan, like all of the like these Disney movies, like from from my childhood. Like I have to have something. Like I have to have something Disney. It's like, and I you know, like, and I need a musical. Like I'm gonna have to have music. Which Labyrinth does have some music, but like I just like I needed like an actual musical. And I just kept thinking, it's like there's Rent, and you know, like, and I, I there's a movie that I loved as a kid called Rigoletto, and it's like there's you know Les Mis and all of these other like all of these other musicals that I could have picked. And finally, I was like, no, fuck it, it's twisted. Yep. It is because it is such a magnificent parody of all things Disney. And like, it's well acted. Mm-hmm. The music is brilliant. This is, this movie is also, or not a movie, this play this, yeah. is free on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. Like, you can watch you, it anytime. Yeah. The go, like go to YouTube, team star kid channel, the musical twisted. It is all there. You can watch it in like separate chunks in like by mm-hmm. acts, or you can just re- like you can watch the whole thing beginning to end in one video. And it is so goddamn funny. It's one of the funniest things. And it's also good. Because like, that's the thing a, a good parody has to do. And, like, you know, I talked about this yes. a little bit. A good parody also needs to be its own story. Oh, absolutely. And 
Starkid has done multiple parodies, and they always give you some heart feels, too. Yes, absolutely. Because, like, their very first parody was a very Potter musical, and that's also where the song Never Alone was first played where I could hear it. Yeah. Which is a song by Darren Chris that's just a freaking amazing. Yeah. And, and they, was so good. they hit you in the feels there. And then there's a song in the Very Potter sequel called uh, To Have, have a Home. home. But oh, to, ha- to Have a Home murders me Kicks you in the time. face. Yes. Says, hey, feel this. Yes. And, and every single musical, uh, um, I'm not going to say every single musical, almost every single musical <laughs> that they do has that moment. Because, like, yeah, I don't feel that so much with Starship. Like, I get it in Annie. The, the, there's the, yeah. no, I think the, the love song in there is the, is the kick in the feels moment. Uh, yeah, but, a little bit. But Annie, I don't remember the song in Annie that would be that. That's what that was actually it, the one I was struggling. It's a little with. like for me. It's it's at the. It's more like at the beginning. It's when he's like basically it's like oh, yeah. that, that whole thing like where he's acting out like watching home movies. Like he's rewatching it. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. And then like or uh, Trail to Oregon has has some really great family moments. And, oh yeah, and the song that the mom does is just yes. phenomenal. So yeah, every every musical they do has a heart moment in it, and Twisted is one that we've watched a hundred times. The fact that like, you and I have watched Twisted so many times that, like, sitting in our seats next to each other, we are miming the dance moves. I would rather watch Twisted than Aladdin most of the time. <laughs> yeah. And as much as I love Aladdin, but Twisted, which is the story of and a twist- royal vizier. Yeah, yeah Twisted is... It gave the wicked treatment to the movie Aladdin. And, yeah. like, the so the, the villain wasn't the bad guy all along. And, and and it's just so interesting. Like, just go watch it. Don't even you don't even need to hear a song about it. Just go watch it. It's a great it's, musical. Like, oh, it's so good. And like to me, nothing is going to top Tiger Fucker. Yeah, because the guy <laughs> at the beginning of the movie, if you've seen Aladdin, if you've seen Aladdin, Raja bites bites him, and you see him in his heart boxer shorts. Yep, you see his heart, yep. and then you see Raja get the heart boxer shorts. And his people don't, his people think he's, he slept with a tiger. So there's a whole thing to it. Like, like it's so good. And it makes so much sense. Your ass cheats, my lord. But yeah. And, and that, that, like, but it's also got, um, your favorite song pretty much ever from a musical. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the um, <laughs> well, I was gonna say to me, like the 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 titular number "Twisted" oh, yeah. is a work of art. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It really is. I've listened to that the most. Oh yeah, me too. But the there's the song if uh, if I believed where mm-hmm. it's Jafar who in this is like is a man of science mm-hmm. and you know having the line of you know and like because in this we're given like Jafar had a wife mm-hmm. and the Sultan took her from Shahrazad. Yeah, Shahrazad. And that the the Sultan took her from him and like and that she died and and like and he never got to see her again. And so he's having a moment of like a moment where like he wavers and and he's singing the songs like science says you're dead and gone forever. Reason says I'm talking to the air, but something in my heart, some secret hidden part, illogically insists that you are there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And you know, and if if I believed like it's it breaks my heart. Like and Dylan just kills it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like I just I had to. It's a great yeah. I almost put like, it on my list. You know, yeah. the thing is, and I just also get things like I need something fucking funny. Yeah, I need something hilarious. Um, but okay, so we are on to our last question, which is, what is the film that means the most to you? Okay, and we also talked about how this one was a super like difficult one because uh, I almost chose Lord of the Rings uh-huh. for for a variety of reasons. Yes, but the one I wound up going with uh, is 1985's Anne of Green Gables. 
<laughs> I wondered. It's technically a mini series. I mean, it's a really long, like, yeah. like it was two VHS tapes when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. My grandma had it. It was a movie, but I have loved Andrew Green Gables since I was a small child. I, the first word I could spell was chrysanthemum because mm-hmm. of this movie. There's something about this movie that captured me. And I think it's the fact that I have either always wanted to be Anne or was Anne as a child. Yeah. I loved books. I loved imagination and to see someone else like, like that. Like, yeah. And we talk about representation and stuff and I'm a white girl. So I got representation out the wazoo, but I am also super imaginative as a child, especially I head in the clouds. I, I had a little sister, but I was just as likely to talk to my imaginary friends. Yeah. And to, to see that you could read your favorite book and imagine yourself in it. And that was okay. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that that was a fun thing to do. And there was yeah. nothing wrong with you for it was super impactful to me as a little kid. Mm-hmm. Like it's something that has stuck with me. It's why I write fan fiction. It's why I enjoy doing this podcast. It's, it's something that has shaped me. Yeah. And like someday I'm going to talk about Anne and Gilbert and my love for Anne and Gilbert. But, but Anne as a character I mean, and I, I love my mom, but my mom is a little Marilla in that she's very <laughs> sensible. And I never thought of it that way. <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad thing. No, I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Just like you said it, and my brain went. I've never heard anything more perfect. <laughs> I mean, not that there's my mom is a, can be a really severe person. She's a great woman, and like your mom a is good the mom. best. Yeah, she's a great mom, and and over the years, she and I have become very good friends. But she didn't always understand that fanciful side right. of me. And my grandmother always did, and she's the one I watched Anger and Gables with the most. My mom liked it too. But but yeah, like I don't know. There's just something about Anne that has always been a thorough a thoroughfare of my life mm-hmm. in a weird way that I don't think about often, but when I do, it hits me hard. But yeah, yeah I, so that's because Anger and Gables is the story of an orphan girl, and I wasn't an orphan, but of an orphan girl who finds her home and a place she belongs. And creates it has kindred spirit friends and creates those Mm -hmm. things for herself because she's not willing to accept that people, people are sad and have to be like, people have to be sad and severe. They can be happy and creative and joyful. And I mean, the book series I love for that reason too, Mm -hmm. but, and she has tragedy in her life. Like she loses Matthew, which is her father figure at the end of the first book. and, And at the end of the first movie, which is part of my issues with Anne with an E, but once again, it's another thing. <laughs> but, but yeah, the thing that I love about Anne is she takes all this tragedy in her life and all of the pain that she has and channels it into positivity and optimism. Yeah. And that's something that I, I take from her as a lesson. And yeah, so it's just like, yeah, Anne Shirley is one of my favorite fictional characters ever. And Anna Green Gables is one of those movies that kind of, like I said, showed me a, that it was okay to be weird and different mm-hmm. and, and creative and have fun. Yeah. And be the smart kid. Like it was okay to be the smart girl in class. She was smarter than Gilbert. Yeah. Like she was the smartest person in the class. She didn't get treated like it. And the teacher was a jerk. And sometimes that happens in mm-hmm. life. And until you get Miss Stacy, but yeah, it's just, I, I could talk about it for a really long time, but as we've gone for a long time, I'll try not to, <laughs> but yeah, it's just super special to me and important to me because of how it shaped me mm-hmm. and, and accepting who I am and knowing that it's okay to to have an imagination and to have the intelligence. I, I think that's the other thing. Like a lot of people always talk about how girls have to play dumb and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I've never felt that in my entire life. Yeah. Partially because this was a shaping movie for me. Right. 
which is weird, but it's the way it is. No, I get it. <laughs> so what was yours? <laughs> I, I struggled a bit with this one and the one that I inevitably picked, like it's not going to be as meaningful, <laughs> like weirdly, like as, as Anne is for you. I started to go with a movie called Permanent Record from from 1988, and it's it stars a very very young Keanu Reeves, and not really a whole lot of other people, <laughs> and and it's like he plays he's kind of you know high school like slacker guy, and he's in a band with his best friend, and what ends up happening is that his best friend commits suicide, and like and his best friend David is this guy who. Like, he was, you know, like, a straight-A student, probably on his way to, like, an Ivy League college. He was, you know, doing all these extracurriculars. He was, like, he had this band. He had also been picked to to uh, to direct the music for the, uh, for the spring, like, musical. And, and just all, and, like, so he had all of these pressures. And then just one night, he jumps off a cliff and kills himself. And... Chris, which is Keanu Reeves' character, kind of witnesses it. Like, basically what it is is, like, Chris, like, sees David standing out at the cliff and is going to just, like, sneak up on him. And, and Chris, like, Chris is walking out there with a couple of beers, you know, because they're at this party. And he's walking out and, and Chris, like, ducks down, like, behind a big rock to, like, pop open a beer and, like, takes a drink. And then he goes, like, and David is standing at the edge and then he jumps up and he's like, hey, let's party. And David's not there. And and so it's something he has to come to terms with because everybody thinks that, that oh, it was an accident. You know, he was at a party. He was drinking. He just fell off the cliff. And it's Chris who later has to tell people he didn't scream. And realizing, like, what that means. And... And it's a movie, like, it was one of my dad's favorite movies, and and we would watch it, and there's a song in it that what it is is that David had written the music, but there were no lyrics to it. And so Chris ends up taking it and putting lyrics to it, and they want to do a tribute to him at the school, and the school says no, because, like, you know, suicide is not something they want to promote. Yeah. And... So Chris ends up writing the music, like for the musical, like what David was supposed to do. He ends up doing these things. And at the musical, one of the girls who was really good friends with David and Chris, like instead of going out on stage and singing the solo that she's supposed to sing, she sings the song. And that song, it's, like I almost picked this movie because it's one that I have watched a lot. And now as an adult, it means a lot more to me because of things that have happened in my life, but it's, it's more because of the song. And so I, I have the song and like, and I still listen to it. And so I thought about it, like it's more the song than the movie mm. that means a lot to me. And so I went with one and this is going to sound like such a left turn and it's going to sound really weird but it's the movie Tombstone. <laughs> because we put this caveat in place of no, like no movies that we've covered for the podcast. Like the one that would mean the most to me is the princess bride. Mm-hmm. And like, but we talked about that for forever and, and we've already done an episode on it. So there's a that, whole episode of how much yes, we love that. Movie there's a whole episode of it. Yeah. And, 
And so, you know, I thought of others like Labyrinth and The Last Unicorn, and these are ones, and to be fair, The Last Unicorn is one that I probably could have picked. But when I got to thinking about it, and I'm staring at all of my movies, and I've, like, I saw the movie Tombstone, and just kind of went like, fuck, that's a great movie. And and it's one, the, the more I thought about it, because it came out in 93. And this is a movie starring, like, Kurt Russell and Dana Delaney, and you got Sam Elliott and Bill Paxton, and, like, Powers Booth and Val Kilmer, and it goes on and on and on and all on. All the people, yeah. So many people in it. And, like, and Billy Zane is in it. Um, like, a young Jason Priestley. And, <laughs> um, um, oh, my God. Um, Terry O'Quinn is in it. <laughs> and it's just this whole, like, cavalcade of people. And it's one, like, as I have said before, I was left alone a lot with access to HBO. I saw many movies that I should not have seen as a child. However, there were a few movies that my parents put restrictions on and said, absolutely not, you're not watching this movie. And Tombstone was one of them. It came out in 93, so I was like 8. Um, 93, yeah, that's right. Um, so I was 8 when it came out, and, and they said no, you are not watching this movie. Like they sat down and watched it one night and said, go to your room. Like we're, <laughs> we're watching this. And so because of that, I'm like, what is this movie that I can't see? <laughs> and so finally, you know, about three years later. So by the time I was in like sixth grade, by like the time I was in sixth grade, I was going through, like I was looking for some movie like in, you know, in our movie rack and, and I came upon it and like, I picked it up. And I, I remember asking my mom, I was like, what is it that's so bad about this movie that I can't watch it? And she kind of looked at my dad and they talked about it and they're like, okay, we think you're old enough now. And so by this point, I'm 12 going on 13. And so I remember like sitting in the living room with my parents and watching this movie and just, it was, it was one of those moments of watching this movie. And like I said, I'm like, I'm about 12 at this point. And it was a, one of the first experiences that I ever had of watching a movie and realizing, like, this is something. That this that this movie, that this is good. Like, this movie means, like, there's something to it. Like, this is more than just a movie. It's, and, like, and I, I had an uncle who watched, like, spaghetti westerns all day long. And so I saw, like, so many, like, John Wayne movies and, like, like so many yeah. that I can't even name like yeah. that were just horrible. And so watching this and going like, w this is a Western and it's good. And like, there were characters that were compelling and, and like, and I understood like the dynamics of what was going on in town. Like, and like the icing on the cake is that it's historical film mm -hmm. and that it was based on something real. And that after the movie, um, that after the movie, dad helped me like look up Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday and, and it, it threw fuel on the fire of an all, like an already budding interest that I had in history. And so like, so, and, which was only like later was, which was outmatched a year after I saw the movie by Titanic. <laughs> and like, I don't know. It's just something like, this is a movie like it's what? 25 years old at this point it is still so fucking good and it is a movie like i will watch all the time my dad even um he would because my dad played guitar and so he would write he'd write these little songs 
he wrote one called uh, "You Ain't No Daisy," and and he had he had another one that like it was never finished, but like I'd ask him like, "So what's this one called?" And he's like, "I'm just gonna call it Huckleberry," <laughs> and and so like that movie, it was something because you know my family we watched movies together, but like my mom was always busy; she always had something she was doing, and like. And my dad, you know, sometimes he'd get distracted and he'd wander off for a while. Yeah. And so it was rare for, like, the three of us to sit down and watch a movie together start to finish. And, like, and I remember that happening with this one. And it's a movie that, like, I just feel like when I saw it that something changed in me. And, like, I started seeing movies as, like, instead of just something to watch for entertainment, it was something, like, I saw as, like, movies or art. See, weirdly, that was Lord of the Rings for me. Yeah. That was why I almost chose Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Because it made me begin to see... Number one, it introduced me to fantasy in a way I'd never been introduced to. Yeah. But yeah, like, and I, I, get, and, I get what you're saying. Yeah, and I thought about Lord of the Rings, too, because that's another one. But I... Like, I grew up on The Hobbit. Yeah, see, I'd and, never read the books, or I didn't right. to do with it until I saw the movies. He's like, so. I, I grew up on The Hobbit, and, like, The Hobbit is deeply ingrained in yeah. me. Whereas, like, I didn't really read Lord of the Rings all that much, but they were my dad's favorite books, and he reread them every year. And so he and I going to see Fellowship of the Ring together, the man was crying, like, because of, like, how great it will, like, how, he's like, I never thought I would see this in my lifetime, yeah. kind of thing. And I thought about it because those movies came to mean a lot to me, but when when I thought over and over, it was like, yeah. it, and I couldn't believe it. I was like, really? All the movies you're picking, you're picking fucking Tombstone? Nothing wrong with that. And I, but like, I was just like having this internal argument with myself, like, this is the movie that you're picking? <laughs> it's like, of all these others, but like, when I thought about it, it's like, compared to like The Princess Bride and like The Last Unicorn and these things that I've already talked about, which are... Like, as much as, like, they are movies that continue to influence me as an adult, and and they have shaped who I am in some ways, um, they're still, in some ways, they're still kids' movies. Mm -hmm. And this is a movie that, when I saw it, it was, like, it was, it was almost, like, you know, I'm was raised Christian as like this, like this is as close as I would ever get to having like a moment of like a bot mitzvah of like, this is the moment <laughs> I'm a woman now. And I'm like, I have seen something that has changed me. Um, but yeah, that, so that's mine as random and weird as it seems like tombstone is mine. So you even guys, though I didn't expect it. Yeah. So you guys know now that we are a weird eclectic couple yes, of people. And we have, we have many and varied interests. Some yep. of them overlap. Yep. And it's one of the reasons why we've been yep. friends for, what is it, 15 years now. Yeah. But yeah, this this is something different that we just decided we wanted to do for Valentine's yeah. Day. And we'll probably do something similar in the future, like mm -hmm. having different categories and, you know, different themes and such. Yep. But this was something we just wanted to try for now. And we hope you enjoyed it. We definitely had a lot of fun mm -hmm. talking about it. And like I said, we, we, we hope you liked it, too. And I think I have nothing else to add. So do you? No, I that's think, it for I, me. I think we've talked plenty. So that'll get it for this episode of Couch Buddies. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode of Couch Buddies, why not leave us a rating and review over on iTunes? And while you're at it, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us by searching on social media. We're Couch Buddies Pod on Facebook and Twitter, on Tumblr at couchbuddies.tumblr.com, and you can email us at couchbuddiespod at gmail.com.